This is Jibber Jab with Jerd Man, episode two. It's the Nostalgic Gaming Podcast, powered by Blue. And who do we have with us today? It is one of the only. It is Noel, also known as Fury76. Hello, Noel. How are you, mate? Good, Jerd. Hello, mate. How are Hello, Jerd Villians? Jerd Vils? Jerd Villians. They're villains, yeah. It almost sounds like villains, like Jerd Villains. Sometimes in chat they are. Not like they've ever Rick rolled you or anything, have they? No, 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 no. I only get Rick rolled every second day. This is uh, Jibber Jabbing with Jerd Man, episode two. You can get us on Spotify for your audio content, on Apple Podcasts for your audio content, and you can get us on YouTube if you want to see the visual content. We're across three major pod formats. It's basically a brand new pod. Uh, episode one was in the can last week. You can go back and look at that and listen to that. It's on Linktree slash Jibber Jabbing with Jerd Man. You can go... Follow all the links on that. So Noel's here. He's, he's very kindly given us, you know, some time to come and chat with us. I was on a panel with Noel at PAX about gaming while old. Noel was probably the, the featured talker because everyone just hung on every word he had to say for that for that um, panel. Why don't you let uh, the listeners on the pod and people in chat know exactly who you are and your story, Noel. Go for it. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is my first time here. Who are you? What's happening? No. Um, <laughs> okay. So yes, my name is Noel Wheatley, also known as Jury76. I have been in and around the games industry now for, I want to say the best part, maybe over a decade. Uh, I started off my career working at PlayStation Support many, many, many years ago, back when the PlayStation 2 and the PSP was a new item. Around the P- actually launched a PS3 as well. Uh, also spent a bit of time as a freelance journalist. From there, I ended up moving to Bethesda for a bit there as well. Spent about four years working at Bethesda. Then jumped to working at National Film and Sound Archive. Uh, then independent game studio uh, called Mon Storyteller. And now I work for Play on ANZ, formerly known as Koch Media. That's a community manager there as well. From a retro gaming side though, which is probably more the reason why I'm here tonight. <laughs> Not just the fact me and Joe have matching beards. Uh, is... Well, my, my, I, I, oh. I would say mine's more glorious, but mine's also more white. So, yeah. Uh, that's see, the only reason why mine's not more white is because I trim it to hide all that, to remove all that sort of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not embracing my age as, as, as well as you, I could say. But from retro gaming side of things, I have pretty much been a gamer for the majority of my life, as most gamers are. I started restoring and repairing consoles, I want to say about 20 or so years ago. I was at a stage in my life where I couldn't really afford to buy consoles. I had a lot of friends who had broken ones, so I got them, I started repairing them, working on them myself. Even had a, um, an episode on Good Game, funny enough, for the repair work I was doing back in the day, or not an episode, but like a segment, one of the episodes for the repair work I was doing, which is quite good fun. Collection has grown and grown and grown over the years, thanks to some incredible friends and incredible people that I both know and just randoms from the internet who I'm always incredibly appreciative of who have donated to the collection because they know that I will always you know, take care of it, appreciate it, repair it, and sometimes pass it along as well. So if I end up with multiples of one thing and I know somebody is either you know, lost one, might have one damaged, destroyed, I will often gift them one to try and build that because gaming is one of those things which triggers a lot of nostalgia. It's an art form. It's precious memories. It's core memories. And it's one of those things that I'm a big believer in preserving gaming for the next generation. So yeah, that's a very sh- long-winded, short introduction. Sorry. <laughs> Noel's done everything, basically, chat. He's done everything. He's seen pretty much everything as well. Speaking of uh, you giving stuff away, my very first PAX this year, 
and I had no idea what the pins were all about or anything. And and Noel kindly said, "Here, I, I opened up his little goodie bag and said, take three pins." So just randomly three pins. So now my pin collection has grown. Actually, I've got a heap more pins now. So I'll be ready to show the bling next year at PAX. Very nice. Now, all around uh, great guy. I met Noel. Well, I first started chatting with Noel over the game. Um, oh, I forget the freaking name of it now. What game was it? You were the community you were the community manager for Modern Storyteller. What was the name of that game that I played that I loved? Uh, Forgotten City. Forgotten City. Yes, we played yeah. that, and I could only play. I could only stream it to a certain part, Correct. the White Hallway. Uh, I have not gone past the White Hallway. I never went back to finish the White Hallway, so I have no idea. Oh, I need to revisit. Kidding. I need to revisit it. I need to go back and revisit that. Literally, at the White Hallway, you are so close to finishing the game. If anybody hasn't played the game, it's a fantastic game. I do definitely recommend checking it game. out. It's a great game. The White Hallway, like, there's a whole thing with that game to explain in a bit more detail. The whole idea was we didn't want to give away the ending. We didn't want mm. anything spoiled, which happens a lot with games. People will stream yeah. through it. And obviously, you watch streamers play the game, and streamers are very passionate, and they show off all the great stories and stuff like that. But we wanted people to be able to experience the game. So we didn't want that last bit going away. Or something actually, it was at the very start of the game, and every, every press we sent out with a code, it was like, hey, can you please, or would you kindly not stream past the white hallway? And a lot of people abided by that, and that was fantastic. This goes to show the power of being polite. <laughs> I always, no, well, I always do. Like, I mean, if, if there's a NDA or a direction or a don't do this until then or whatever, I always abide by that because there's nothing worse than, and, you know, having bad blood between. We chatted about a bit last week about the the Australian New Zealand gaming community, how sort of uh, tight knit it is, and you know you don't want to burn bridges, so you've got to abide by people's. They're kind enough to give you the product to to stream it and to show off to the community, and you know people that break embargoes or do stuff they're not supposed to do. It, I just don't I can't fathom it. Like I, I just don't see the point of it. The game industry is very small, very incestuous. Everyone knows everyone and everything. So you've definitely the right attitude there, for like you know, playing by the rules and being courteous and kind, and making sure you don't break those embargoes. Because, yeah, it's not only it's not only like bad for a stream, but it's also incredibly painful for a studio when that stuff happens as well. So it's appreciated when people follow the rules. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's quite funny because I'll if we have an embargo or something, I'll I'll check out the category. I'm like, you got like an hour to go, and I'll check the category out. I'm like, yeah, there's like three people streaming it. Okay, we're gonna wait the hour that we're supposed to wait, and then we'll go in and we'll go in. On time, as you're supposed to do. We are here, Chad. If you've got any questions for Noel, please feel free to fire them off and we'll get to them as soon as we can sort of get to them. I guess um, a good good uh, spot to start is what is your earliest uh, gaming memory? I watched last week's episode and I was prepared for this. He's prepared. He's one who's prepared earlier. Yeah. Here's, a, here's an example I prepared earlier. Um, so my very first game memory was essentially playing, well, playing a Pong clone. So back when like, I am quite old, I was born back in 1976, hence Fury 76. And my earliest game in memory was playing a Pong clone called a Sheen 100 video game sport or video sport game, something like that. Basically, you had a slider walked up and down between, like, you know, table tennis, hockey, table, t- um, uh, other things. Basically, it's all just Pong, but different versions. And then the very last option was a shooting game, which worked on the old CRT TVs. That console was released in 1977, and this is it. This is the exact one I had as a kid. In the box. Have a look at in it. In the box. So I'm trying to get it without too much light flash on the screen, but yeah, there's your little slider to go up and down. 
manual difficulty settings, same as what they had in the Atari 2600 back in the day, twist controllers, and a light gun at the top. That is crazy. 1977, you said. 77. Produced and they had by a light Sheen. gun and they had all that for a home yep. console. Yep. And That's so nuts. the options were, options were what? Uh, so handball, tennis, hockey, um, shooting one and shooting two. <laughs> so yeah, it was very, very basic. I remember playing that on old, old black and white TV and then we went on holidays. My dad used to rig up a little, see, a little black and white TV in the back of our van so we could play that on road trips so he wouldn't annoy them. <laughs> That's crazy. Like you said, it sounds like it's the same game just rebadged over and over again. I oh. know that Atari... We had an Atari 2600. I know that a lot of those games were pretty much the same game, just with a different sticker on the front. And you're not going left to right now. You're going up down now. It's different. It's a totally different game. But I will say for the Atari generation, though, one of the things I loved about Atari was firstly the manual, the manual settings on them. Yeah. But the box art on Atari carts to this day mm. is still just spectacular. I love that sort of stuff. It looks so good. We had one growing up and my sister ended up with it. And then she sold it recently for a Switch, Ooh. which was just like, that was a rough deal. Um, she did not ask me about that deal before she took it. Um, but yeah, like the like I, I can remember the box. I can remember Pitfall. I can remember the Decathlon box. Uh, I think it was uh, Mouse Trap, I think it was called. And Carnival, which was like a gallery shooting game. And I had... I took a photo. I put it up on my Insta recently. It was um, Pele World Soccer, and it had like had the it had like the artwork of that. Where I actually played it. I actually hooked it up to an old TV with an adapter and stuff. Still works. Pretty rough. <laughs> it was it was mind boggling back in the day, but uh, pretty rough. One hundred percent. Like I've got. So I love Atari. That's obviously a pretty mm. obvious cat. Um, I have got quite a decent selection of carts and all that sort of stuff as well. Can a couple of random ones in there, which I did once again prepare for this chat. And once I'm not sure if anybody in the chat will remember these, but everyone's played Mario at some stage. Everyone's played Mario on yeah, on the NES, NES, some other platform. They played it, but I got to wonder how many people have actually played it on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh, that actually. But it looks familiar. It probably triggers I, a bit of memory there. The one on the right looks. The red one looks familiar to me for some reason. Yeah. The red one looks familiar. That's yeah. crazy. Yes, Mario Bros. on the 2600 back in the day. Wow. It's just wild. Like some of the Crazy. games they had back then, there are still, it's funny to look at games like that that still have a legacy today. Mm. Like things like Pele Soccer probably evolved into things like FIFA and things like that over time. But Mario is one of those ones I remember from back in, as a kid going, oh, it's amazing, and playing it on Atari, then playing it on NES and it was better on NES, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, we didn't have a NES, but our neighbors, my best friend, like who lived across the road, had a NES. Yeah. And just the evolution from like the Atari to the NES was, it was just crazy. It was like a side bike and um, Kung Fu, I think it was called. And then mm -hmm. uh, Kid Icarus was another one. And then even something like Mario Brothers. I remember, remember playing that. And then even again, from a step up from that to the Super Nintendo, which um, was even more my, like, the, the evolution we've had over the years, I, I say quite often, you look at something just as simple as like a golf game. Like we, I think I'm pretty sure we had a golf game on the Atari and then we had Golf Mania, which I chat about a lot because that was like one of our main family games that we grew up with, golf. And then we had 
like leaderboard on the Mega Drive. He's hit the Tree Gym, which had like voice like voiceovers, yeah. which you know um, it was amazing at the time. Oh, it was it was nuts, and even yeah. even the EA Sports, it's like whoa, yeah. this thing's talking at me. It's like in it's the game, yeah. <laughs> and I can still remember the uh, Destruction Derby two on PlayStation one. It was the you're on fire. That guy it brings back so many nice memories. The fact that we've managed to see all that, like, because you're a little bit older than me, but I'm like forty next year, and the fact that we've we've seen this evolution that our kids and stuff won't sort of get that. I mean, there probably will be a massive evolution, but where we are now to where we could possibly go. Like you can't see it really, unless it goes like to ready player one, like you can't really see it going much more. How much more realistic can you get unless it's all VR stuff. But the fact that we've been able to see that from like square pixels on the screen to now having these glorious games that we all play and love. We're very lucky to have witnessed all that. Yeah. It's, I am very like, cause of my age, I'm, 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 you know, Edging closer to 50, I'm not going to lie about that. Obviously, being 76, I'm sure Chad can work out the exact age I am. But um, it's one of those things of being around back during the period where, like, you know, things like the console wars were an actual thing. Like, I know in this day and age, Xbox versus PlayStation, a bit more of, you know, jabbing the ribs sort of thing. But back in the days of Sega versus Nintendo, you had to pick a side. There was mm. no, like, friendships ended over stuff like that. It was insane back then. Like, that's the thing, though. Like, you couldn't afford a... Like, you had to pick a side because, like I said, you, your parents were like, now, they wouldn't say what console do you want, but you'd tell them, oh, I want a Super Nintendo or something because you knew that you weren't going to have three consoles. Like, I've got... This is actually the first... And it's only since I've been doing content, this is the first year where I have had more than one console. Like, oh. even three years ago, I had. I've always had sort of... I had a PlayStation. Okay, let me go through what I've had. No, not I haven't got had as many as you, but uh, we had a um, well, we had a four eight six computer which played Hangman, but we had a, um, a Master System, oh Atari Master System, Sega Master System two. We had the Mega Drive. We had the SNES, uh, sixty four PlayStation one, and then I did not get another PlayStation until PlayStation five just recently. Um, and then Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox <laughs> One X, Xbox Series X, all the Xboxes since then. But now I've got a Switch, I've got um, the Xbox, I've got the PlayStation and a UBU PC. But I mean, you had you had to you had to pick, you had to pick your lane. Like I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a PlayStation dude. I'm gonna be an Xbox dude. Like yep. I'm gonna be a Nintendo dude. Like you had to pick. Growing up, my console evolution was basically I went from the Sheen to a thing called a VZ300, which was a Tandy PC. And people in chat may not know what Tandy is, but it was a pre-run of Dick Smith and an old sort of store you go to. I, I think BZ used to be regional manager of Tandy, didn't you, BZ? That's, no that's way, really? Joke. Yeah, no, it's an inside joke. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> went from that to a Commodore 64, and then from then to a SNES. And then after that, I was able to start buying my own console. So I actually got a knockoff Game Gear one year for Christmas from uh, for Christmas. Then I went knockoff, to... wait, a knockoff Game Gear. A knockoff Game Gear. Oh, I had I had an official Game Gear. I'm looking at your Game Gear now on yeah. your on your Insta. I've got I've got one now, but like yeah, like back then did not have one. It was a knockoff wow. Pink Candy, Dick Smith sort of style thing. You had a Lynx as well. Yeah, Sorry, I'm looking at your Insta. You, you had a Lynx. I've actually got a couple Lynxes still. So yeah, I've got wow. two second-gen links, one loose, one in the box. Actually, I think one's right behind me here. Yeah, there's one just there on the shelf. I can grab it for you later. Yeah, so that went from that to a PS1, 
then uh, PS2, then original Xbox. Then after that, I've managed to pretty much... I've stayed with them, like PS2, and after that went pretty much... I've had one of each generation since. Yeah, and you've, you've got a, a signed Star Wars 360 signed by Carrie Fisher. That is one of my absolute treasures of my collection. That would be, and a, and a C-3PO controller by the looks. So that's the Star Wars 360 that released. I can't remember exactly when that came out. Wow. But when they came out, I want to say about a month or two later, Carrie Fisher was touring and going to Supernova. She was here in Sydney. And I was like, right, I need to seize the opportunity to not only meet Carrie Fisher, the phenomenal, clever, brilliant woman that she is, but also I want to get to sign something. And I had like, you know, the movies on VHS and posters and all stuff like that. No, I'll take the console. And I was terrified. I carried that thing around Supernova all day in a bag, <laughs> guarding it like it's a newborn child. I was like, get away, get away. But then finally got to meet her, got her to sign it. Uh, I got a photo of her signing as well, just for proof of future. Because everyone gets, oh, it wasn't really Carrie Fisher. So a couple of photos on, you'll see the photo of Carrie Fisher signing it. And while she was signing it, I asked her, have you ever signed one of these before? She said, no, I've never signed one of these before. I was going to say, I think this would be a one of, I don't think anyone would have done this ever. Well, allegedly, there's another one of these in the US. Okay. I've not seen a photo of it. But when she signed this, there was a, a couple of people walking past, yelling out Star Trek stuff at her. Star at this stage, oh yeah, like no, just trolling her basically. Okay, yeah. And at that stage, she looked fairly frail. I think she might be recovering from being sick or something like that. And while she looked physically frail, her mind, oh my god, oh, sharp she... as a whip. Yeah. And she was just whipping stuff back out of them so quickly. But yeah, um, I came at the second day of Supernova. I bought a second ticket just to go back and ask her if she signed anymore. This is the only one she signed in Australia that, I'm, that once again that she told me she signed. She may have signed others after that. But yeah, the day I got this signed and posted the first photo I ever posted of it, I got a message or DM through Instagram from a guy in the US offering me a thousand US for it straight away. Wow. And I went, there is no way I'm going to sell it. Nope. And then the week she passed away, I had someone else who hit me up from the US offer me two grand US for it. I yeah. said, there is no way I can sell this. This is a absolutely treasured item for me. Is it possibly no. most valuable? Probably not. But is it something that I hold dear, near and dear to my heart? Definitely. You'd, ha you'd have to put a like a clear. Have you got like a clear coat on that or something? You'd have to put a clear coat on that or something. No, I haven't. The thing is, I can't put a clear coat on it because if I do that, there's a risk of um, it actually breaking from overspray, and I can't get uh... it apart to do that. So basically, it lives back in the original box, in the original yeah. packaging, the whole works. I only pull it out once a year, just for just for yeah and annual photo for either her birthday or for Star Wars Day or for yeah. Week of X or something like that. And then I will test it, make sure it still works, put it away. Once it's cooled down, it's all good to go. That's crazy. Uh, that's that's I was I was gonna say, oh you've got so much stuff on your Insta. Um go check out um go check out Noel on his Insta. It's Fury76. You can get him on Insta and Twitter and just any other platform. Probably not yeah. Hive because Hive's gone belly up apparently. I mean Hive's already oh. Done and... I wasn't high, but I guess not. Uh, no, yeah, apparently I'm... they've got issues now. <laughs> I didn't bother. Oh, I haven't got the time or inclination to build another social platform. <laughs> just oh. like, nah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I'm on yeah, all, all channels, including TikTok, all that sort of stuff like that. So, yeah, I've got some ran random stuff on there. You've including got, your... oh, you've got the, sorry, I've cut you off again. Your Insta is just like an absolute treasure trove <laughs> of stuff. Like, your Insta is just insane. Uh, you've got the Pokemon Blue 
console, which my brother-in-law had. He got it for Christmas. I don't know what year that was. You probably know the year it got released, but he got it for Christmas that year, and I was like, whoa. And I didn't grow up with Pokemon because I didn't watch cheese TV. I watched aggro. But nowadays in life, like, I do love a Pokemon game. So that is, it's insane to see that. So that one, being the Pokemon Stadium Edition, at least in Australia, that actually came out on my birthday back in the day, but I okay. couldn't get it. I couldn't afford it. But I think I want to say it was, I know it was March 23rd, it was my birthday, but I want to say it was either 2000 or 2001 off the top of my head. Okay. I could be wrong, but yeah, chat, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But yeah, yeah. it came to Pokemon Stadium, and I absolutely used to love going out and hiring it. And this one was actually a gift from an incredible friend of mine, Antisocial Ames. Uh, on Twitch and on Twitter and everything as well. This is a gift from her and absolutely treasure it. Wow. I did actually also recently score a second one of these. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now I have two of Crazy. them, which is amazing. Part of the reason why I want to share my collection stuff that is also some of the history behind some of the bits and pieces and some of the conversations I have. I occasionally also like sharing new stuff too, of course, and some random shenanigans. Uh, <laughs> Pineapple on pizza. But it's I'm, the best. You got it. Exactly. Got it. Exactly. Got to have pineapple. Yeah, I actually it. put extra pineapple on that pizza. I yeah, homemade pizza and I put the pineapple pizza. Chucked a ton of extra on there. Um, I did get one of those bomber jackets too in the mail. I, I bought one. Um, they put up a post saying it was like thirty percent off or something. I'm like, yep, I'm having a bomber jacket, so oh, I've got that same jacket too. I bought it at full price Sick. of packs. Damn it. <laughs> I think it may have been cheap. I may may have been cheaper. I think I don't know. It was still. It was still. Oh, it know, was still, still a it. decent price. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just, that's the thing. I'm, I'm just going, I'm just trolling your Insta now, just finding <laughs> stuff. Uh, what is this? So this is the 20th anniversary Xbox, is it? Sure is. That's the 20th anniversary. So the Xbox behind is the original Xbox, and that's the 20th anniversary controller on top Damn, of that. Wow. It's just, I just thought it was a nice photo because it showed, obviously, from the origin to, at that stage, what was the latest product they have released for it to celebrate 20 years of Xbox. And it's quite funny because that Xbox is my original Xbox I got given by my ex-partner. It wow. was actually from the local Video Easy. It was a higher okay. one. Yeah. So I, was one, I used to hire it like every other week. Yeah. And, then my birth, and then when they started getting rid of them at the end of life, she managed to go, well, she went down there, bought that one, bought that one, not knowing it's the same one I used to hire. And then I got her home, logged in, and all my saves were in there. Really? Yeah. It was oh. amazing. I was oh. absolutely like gobsmacked when I started the thing up. And yeah, I was like, Wait, these are my saves. These are the games I play. Holy shit. <laughs> I lent my uh, friend at school on uh, SNES uh, Donkey Kong Country 2. Mm-hmm. I lent them a cart- the cartridge. I lent it to him and said, whatever you do, don't mess with my save. Mm-hmm. 93% I was, 93%. Oh. I get it back three weeks later, go load it up. No save there. I said, what happened? My brother got it and just, I said, you've got to be kidding me. And that's one of those games where I got to the, it was like Webbed Woods, I think it was the name of the level, and I raged so hard that I could not beat that Webbed Woods. And I put it down for about six months. And then I picked up one day and did it first go. And I was just like, how is that a thing? Like, <laughs> Can I say, though, how much more unforgiving were games back in the day no save points. Nope. Um, you had to either write down the code to reload from a certain spot or just leave that console running. Yep. Yeah, Lion King, the Lion King freaking oh. uh, giraffe level. Yes. That broke your wall. It broke Nurse Page's <laughs> wall. A lot of people say Lion King. 
I remember playing Back to the Future. There was a trilogy game. I think it was one, two, yep. and three. And it was a bit with the, where you were chasing after Clara Clayton, who was going to go down the ravine. And that, this was like the first level, and I just could not get past it. Like I could not, like it just didn't matter what I did with it. I wanted to play Back to the Future 2, and then the, uh, that must have been the third one. So yeah, it's I, third maybe, one, yeah. maybe you could have. Anyway, I couldn't get past. I needed to do that to get to the part I wanted to get to, and I couldn't. That just infuriated me. And like something like Alex the Kid, I think Alex the Kid, you could smash down and smash the B button or something if you had enough money in the bank or something that you could get another a continue or something. But yeah, we relied on Chico's. I've just loaded up this picture, which has completely given my brain. I had forgotten this thing had even existed. This Sega control stick and that controller. Not many people in our family liked it. That was my favorite controller because I just found it. I, f I found it better than the freaking the joypad. Can I say that controller was great unless you were left-handed. I'm not left-handed. Yeah, but it, there was obviously you could, you couldn't you couldn't turn it around. You couldn't do anything like that. No. But the amount of well, I had a couple of friends who were who were left-handed, and I didn't have. I used to hide this one back in the day. This is a new one I picked up. One well, not new one. One I picked up recently. I'd always get that. I said, oh, "Do you want to go like this?" And it was like, "No." Nah. No, thank you. If you remember the arcades, your it's like a gear stick. wasn't Wasn't your left hand always on the stick though, and your right hand was the button? So wouldn't that be yeah. ideal for a left-handed person though? No, arcades were more because arcades were left-handed on stick, right hand on buttons. Yeah, but this wouldn't is that... right hand on stick. This is left hand on buttons. Yeah, wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be harder for us as a right-hander to use? Well, I don't know. I never really thought about. It, it was always fine for me to use. I'm right. Yeah, I never had any issues like... with it either. I used to do the. I used to do the. Ta I remember playing something like Golf Mania or something, and oh, you could never, you could never get the little tappies with the yeah. little, and you could do the little. Oh, I forgot that thing even existed. What is your favorite controller? Oh, that's asking. That's like asking me to pick a favorite child, man. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when I got the Xbox. I got, I played a friend's Xbox, and they got a brand new Xbox at launch. Pretty much, the very first Xbox with the Duke, mm -hmm. and I remember playing Tony Hawk's. Pro skater something on it. I've got like my hands are my, I've got like decent sized hands, but I just did not like it at all. I hated it. I hated the fact that the buttons weren't up, down, left, right. They were skewed, and then the white and black button was skewed. I just did not like it at all. And I thought I remember playing Tony Hawk and I wasn't hitting the Y button properly. I wasn't. I hated it. And people love that controller, and they it's become a like a cult classic now. People just love that controller i hated it when they came out with the newer one which still was a lot bigger than it sort of is nowadays i'm pretty sure yeah. that was just i was like oh thank god i couldn't handle the duke i loved the duke back in the day okay i remember playing like when i got that xbox i was talking about before that came with the original duke still that controller by the way when i went to the s or the smaller one i found i went from like you know hold my hands out like this and I'm like being, yeah. yeah this is this is a gun you know big solid chunky controller then going down to the S and I feel like, oh, this is like really cramped. But the thing is though, the PlayStation controller was smaller and I still felt comfortable, but you had the claw. I feel, and this this is nowadays too, I feel like this thing here, which this is like an amazing colored PlayStation controller. This, I love mm -hmm. this color. I feel like this thing, you have to like hold onto it. Like you have to physically hold onto it. Yeah. Why, if you got yourself a Xbox one, it just sits in your hand and you don't have yeah. to, like, you're not feeling like you're having to hold it. Like it just, it just fits. So for me, I, I love, 
an Xbox controller. But the PlayStation, for me, it's just probably because I'm not used to it either. I, like, I didn't grow up with... I had PlayStation 1, and then that was it. I feel like you could have really, like, grab this. Being pretty much, you know, platform agnostic, that's the right word? Not sure. Yeah, that'll, that'll work. I have, <laughs> I have no real preference for a particular platform or controller or anything like that. Like, I look at, like, the Xbox controller... I love the fact they went with the Elite and the fact that you can do your own custom controllers. With the DualSense, I love the haptic feedback in that, especially I for driving don't. games. I really? I, I prefer wow. a I prefer like an old school rumble. I don't like the triggers uh, at yeah, all. I'm a big fan of the triggers. I like that. Because I, I, I played Ratchet and Clank and I love that game. Mm-hmm. And I felt the entire time I was having to push the trigger so hard. And because there was a lot of you wanted to hit, you wanted to shoot pretty quick. I like with the xbox hey you can do the hair triggers and stuff and you can just tap 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 yeah with the playstation i felt like i had to like double push it all the time to get it to activate i, I don't know people love it people are like this is the greatest uh, like innovative thing that a controller's uh, like ever had and i'm like yeah. i just don't dig on that i don't know yeah, i quite enjoy especially playing like grand Turismo and stuff like that having that more feel for acceleration and braking and stuff like that i really quite like that a little bit of a tangent here always yeah <laughs> I won't say, like, couldn't give you a favorite controller. Okay. But what I could do is say, like, I like the evolution of controllers. Each generation is something, mm. like, a bit better from the next, from the previous generation, obviously, because yep. they're moving forward. Sometimes the style of the older ones, just the look of them. Like, I'm not sure if you ever, do you ever play with, with a quick shot joystick back in the day? No. The old, like, Commodore 64. This was a joystick controller. I loved them. Back in the day, if you have one of these, it was, like, the absolute like the boss of joysticks back in the day. Yeah, okay. A little button for quick fire and stuff like that. Okay. But I'm a sucker for random controllers. Random official ones, stuff like that. Like the, some of the weird retro ones, which are one-handed controllers. There's one that was done for PlayStation for Ridge Racer 2 or 4 maybe, which had a little, it was like a like a standard controller, but it had a little steering wheel right in the middle of the controller. That's cool. But even the Guitar Hero trolls, because when, they first, when Guitar Hero first launched, yes. how much of a mind-blowing experience was like, I have a guitar. I can I, play music. I remember being at the, it wasn't EB, it probably wasn't EB back then. It was at one of the game shops at Penrith Plaza. I forget which game shop it was. Probably wasn't EB. It was probably game. It was probably game, actually. And I remember picking up that the guitar. I remember picking up the guitar and I, I stood there with it and I'm looking at the screen and my brain, like no one had told me how to use it. My brain could not compute what I was, like I felt like an absolute idiot. I failed the song in about 10 seconds. I, my brain could not compute what I was had to do. And now that you look back and you think you're an idiot, it was so easy. But it was just such a removed thing that we were used to. Like, we, we were so, it was so removed from what we had yeah. grown up with. It was just crazy. Exactly right. Like, obviously, we had things like SingStar and other rhythm games like Frequency and Amplitude, like that beforehand, even Jet Set Radio as well, for those who played on, you know, the old uh, Dreamcast. But. The guitar controls, one of those controls, look at it and go, it is not practical to carry around, but goddamn, it's fun. And it made you, and I don't know about you, but it made me feel cool when I played the damn thing. I had a guitar rack. I had a, I had a freestanding guitar rack with two Same. guitars on it. <laughs> I went for, I think I bought every single guitar in the Guitar Hero range. Yeah. From start all the way through to the end, I've still got a bunch of them in my storage unit as well. We used to, we had a bunch of friends used to go out and have Guitar Hero nights 
where we'd literally go to one person's house and we'd spend the entire night. Yep. We'd all bring our own guitars as well. So you'd all just show up like guitars slung over your shoulder yeah, or in these sick. little like carry bags sort of things like guitar, maybe soft guitar cases and stuff. It was insane. So I, I love the random controllers. One controller I do love the moment, which I haven't got, which I am conflicted about ordering. It's a bit of a weird conflict that I have. Is the Xbox adaptive controller. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah, that's an amazing piece of tech too. Yeah, exactly right. And makes gaming so much more accessible ever to people to play. Mm. I love the idea. I love the fact that games are becoming more accessible to more and more people. And I mm. really want one for my collection. Every time I go to order one, my concern is, because like, I don't need one. You're a good guy. See, this is your concern. And if, if I order one, and I take, mm. for some reason take the last one in stock, and someone wants one, needs one, whatever, if they then miss out because I've ordered one for a collection rather than yeah. they can use to actually enjoy a game, it's it's honestly one of those things. I've had it in my shopping basket from the, X, from the Xbox store so many times. Mm. And I'm like, but what if? Because <laughs> I used video yeah. games to recover from a stroke about a decade ago. And I know how hard it is to play when you're not at your best or you have some sort of physical limitation. So I would hate to take that opportunity away from somebody else. I think... Obviously, you just need to chat to your, your good friends at Xbox and just say, look, how much stock are we looking at here? Have we got enough stock to last us through winter? Can we, yeah. can, can we, can, am I able to buy one and not make sure no one's going to miss out? The funkiest controller I think I ever used was, it was my godmother. She had a console and I don't know, you, you, you'd know it. I, I can't remember what the console looked like, but the controller was like a long rectangle controller with number pad one to nine and it had a circle thing at the top. You've got it. Yep. Have you got one? Have you? That would be from memory. I want to say either in television or ColecoVision. Yeah, she was German, so it was probably German. Hang on, let me have a quick look. Coleco, was it Coleco? Yeah. Okay, because because we had there was that Donkey Kong game on it. It wasn't Donkey Kong, but it was Donkey Kong game where you'd come down the vine and you'd have to collect the the bananas and the the cherries, and you'd have to go from vine to vine to vine, and then up and down. And it was like one of my favorites. My cousins have one of those. And one of my favorite games that was a game called Zaxxon. It was like a okay. 3D shooter. or sorry, a, a 3D space shooter. So like you're going on a little spaceship. We had to go left to right, up and down and forward and back as well. Mm -hmm. You're running, rather than running like left to right, up and down, you're running on a plane that went up diagonally. And in my, back then that blew my mind. It's like, what are these graphics? How is this happening? It's amazing. Yeah, Zaxxon, oh, yeah. That, that does ring a bell. I've actually got the case up behind me on the shelf. Pretty can't see it though. Donkey Kong Junior. Maybe it was Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah, it might have been Donkey Kong Junior. Yeah. Strangest controller that MGBs used was the PS One glove controller. What about the power oh, glove? What about the Nintendo power, power glove? glove. Oh. Yes. oh, that's one of my unicorns in my collection that I still I want to get one day. This is the Zaxxon game, by the way. This is the one. That that no, that is no. That you've just blown my brain. Yes, yes. I'm going to find it on YouTube. Hold on. You've just blown my brain with that. Because I, I think that's one I used to play as well that I had, oh, I had forgotten go. about. That was one of the ones when I played as a kid and it took me forever to find it. I remember seeing it one day going, that's the game. And I dove to buy that one at a garage sale. Uh, I think I got it for like yes. five bucks or something. Oh, I've forgotten completely about this. You are very welcome. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yes, here it is. Here, uh, uh, if you're on YouTube, you'll see it. If you're if you're on the audio pod, you won't see it. But um, come out of YouTube and find it. German on YouTube. Here it is. Here, 
I'd forgotten about this game. Do you want to know a little fun fact about that console? Oh, Actually, it's please. one of those things you do not see oh. ever realistically. Um, and sorry, for those who are watching it on YouTube, and you'll see this game, like, this was back in the early 80s, and these graphics were just unheard of. Even this playstyle was unheard of back in the day, which is one of the reasons why I love this game so much. The ColecoVision, or was it the Intellivision? I'm just trying to remember now which one it was. I am fairly confident it's the ColecoVision. Yeah, it was ColecoVision. ColecoVision had expansion ports to it. So you could plug okay. in a steering wheel. You could plug in a keyboard. You could plug in a voice modulator. But one of the coolest things about it is on the front, there's a little trapdoor, which not many people realize was on there. And on that trapdoor, you could plug in a little slide-in module so you could play Atari 2600 games on the ColecoVision. This was an official product. Wow. Not a third-party thing saying that Coleco had made. And you could literally slide in the front. And it became one of those things where people could buy the ColecoVision and the expansion port to play Atari games, and you'd have double the library available to you. Could you imagine this day and age? Like obviously, the yeah. questions that would have been with um, Sony and Nintendo making the PS1 back in the day. Yeah. But in this day and age, going, oh, yeah, I'm going pl- um, to plug my Xbox expansion port in my PlayStation and bust out some Halo on my PS17 or whatever yeah. <laughs> in the future. I'm getting uh, the barnstorming game they used to play a lot too. We'd have to go over the barn, under no through the barn, over the over the power lines, and that that was yep. a great game too. And that was so much fun. These games are brutal though. Like they, these games were brutal. Even going back and playing like Mario now, I tried to play it on the, I tried to play it on the Switch. The fact that you can you can now play NES games on the Switch is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I went back to play it on the Switch, and the control like the controls are just diabolical. You. We're so spoiled now because we have such fine tuning when it comes to controls and stuff. You, I, I kept falling down the ditch. I did not jump in time. I oh, it was so bad. Actually, I got to tell you a quick funny story. So a little while back, a mate of mine's kid. He was getting into gaming. He wanted to learn more about gaming, and his dad had positioned me as a bit of a, a bit of a gaming historian. You know, Uncle Noel's got a library. You should go check it out. Mm-hmm. His own little mini museum. So one day they come over and he's like, oh, this is cool. And I've got the console set up in a little shelving system where you can, all, they all work. You can take them off the shelf, all the cables are there, plug it straight into a TV and go. And he's going through and he'd been playing something on, this was back in the Wii, Wii U sort of era. Yep. He's like, what's that? So that's the original Nintendo. It's a, it's a Nintendo Entertainment System. He goes, oh, what's on that? So you got Mario and he loved Mario. So I can't play Mario. Of course you can, mate. Guess up, and now I've seen this kid clear levels on the Wii and the Wii U without a problem at all. I just power through them, no problem. I've never seen a child want to rage quit so quickly <laughs> <laughs> trying to play the original Mario game because it was like he's like he, he just didn't have the patience for it. Games are so much faster now; you need to be a bit more patient back then to be able to play these sort of games. And he was just powering through it so quickly. He wasn't like same as you wasn't stopping to you know, make sure there was no gaps or jumping into enemies and things like that. Seeing this kid want to rage quit so quickly was just absolutely hilarious <laughs> to me. And I feel I felt a little bit bad because I knew it was going to be coming, but I'm looking at your Atari cartridges on Insta and you've got you've got ET there. I do Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Yep. I remember playing Roadrunner too. And Star Wars and a few other ones as well. Superman. Yeah. I've got a lot of Atari carts and television carts, ColecoVision carts. Oh, I played Smurfs, Smurfs on yeah. 
Oh, on something. Oh, see, I'm, 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 I'm getting taken back here. I played Smurfs on. I think I hired Smurfs on one of the one of the consoles, and nice. it, was, it was not bad. Have you got brothers and sisters or anything? Like, did you grow up with brothers and sisters gaming and stuff? Yeah, got one one younger brother. Hmm. He loved gaming as well. He actually got the PlayStation One that I mentioned before. So that was yeah. He got that console before me. And yeah, he's always loved game. We used to go out to our local video shop back in the day and we'd hire Master System 1, I'm pretty sure it was back then. Yeah, yeah. Master System 1. With, um, with the motorbike game built in? Yep, yep. Uh-huh. That was the one. We'd hire that and we would basically hire it and play it all weekend. One of the things we have to save up our allowance and we would hire that. And we that's actually, that's the one there. Yeah. Um, and we would just power through the entire weekend playing that from pretty much Friday night through to Sunday night. We had to pack it up. It would not get turned off unless we were changing games just because mm. save points weren't a thing. It's a very different world back then. That Master System controller, I remember being such a revelation because it was the first time it had like a square D-pad. Like it was a, I remember playing California games with the skating and you could yep. actually run your finger on the outside where you needed to go. It was such yep. a, such a revelation that. Alex, he was built into Master System 2. Yep, I think so, yeah. Road Rash. Road Rash might have been in... No, it wasn't Road Rush. Was it Excite Bike, maybe? No, it was no. the one that was at the arcade. Not Excite Bike, it was Superbike. Superbike? No, it was. Alex the Kid was Mass System 2, and it was Hang On. Yes. Hang On. Hang That's On. Right, yeah. It was Hang yes. On on building. Yes. Correct, yes. Alex Kid 2 on the Mass System 2. Yeah, Road Rush was on the Mega Drive. Okay. Was it? I used to love a skateboarding game called Skitchen, and it was, I don't know what console it was, but it was back in the day where, like, 90s grunge, and you'd go all up the West Coast or East Coast, and you'd just be, it'd be like after Back to the Future where you could skate behind cars, like, you'd yeah. skate, you would roll the blade behind cars, and you'd just have to go zip, zip, zip. Oh, that was, so, that was a good game, too. I love that I was game. I like, games like Skate or Die and 720. Yep. yep. I love playing 720. You've got to go to different parts of the park. And go on like the skate bowl or the half pipe or the downhill run. It's just um, it's just crazy how you chat about things and you just get off on absolute tangents. It just shows the passion that we all have for video games. Question in chat: uh, Do you have any guilty pleasure games, current or past? Any Ooh. any guilty pleasure games? Games that you probably shouldn't play or were frowned upon, but you were like, no, I'm, I'm blind it. Don't care. Guilty pleasure games. Guilty pleasure games. I'm gonna say Portal. Because I finished that, I finished that game more times than I should have, okay. and considering like at PAX there was a joke about you know piles of shame and me having a mountain of shame. Yes, I really should be playing other games that have never even been taken out of the packaging. <laughs> yeah. But it's like if I if I just want to chill out and play a game for a little bit, I'll either play Portal, yeah. or I'll bust out one of the Need for Speed games like classic Need for Speed, yeah. uh, Underground One, Two, or Most Wanted, something like that. I did a Need for Speed 2 rap the other day that got put up on TikTok. Y'all go make me lose my mind. Up I in saw here. that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I like the fact that you can we can associate music now to video games as well. My wife listens to a, a podcast called Strong Songs, and they go through and they discuss songs, what makes them good and what makes them really breaks down the songs. So they've covered Zelda quite often, and they covered the simple Mario Brothers tune. And in that 90 seconds, what what the composer did and why it became such an earworm. It's a really interesting um, episode. If you go go check it out, Strong Songs. The guy talks. Kirk Hamilton used to write for 
maybe Kotaku, I think. Maybe he used to write for, he used to be into the video game press. But yeah, he's now doing that pod and he breaks down what makes video game songs so good. And, and the Mario Brothers one especially is, is very, very interesting. The fact that they were working on very base equipment and very, obviously in the size of the file they could use was like tiny because, oh, yeah. I mean, it was on the cartridge and stuff. So yeah, very, very interesting how music has also played a massive, massive part of that as well. Uh, sketching is road rash on skates, pretty much. <laughs> but it was sick though. You could have a crowbar. Look, you could have a crowbar yeah. there. It's also too, if you look back at the era too and how each generation has evolved graphics-wise and music-wise and gameplay-wise and stuff like that, it is amazing to see how far things have come in the last 40 years, realistically. 40, yeah. 50 years since game. Well, realistically, game's been around 50 years now. You look back at the original things like, you know, the Brown Box or the Fairchild or the Atari and there are people who had never even seen some of these things. Like, no, it's and you were chatting about it um, before we we got on here about a gaming innovative legend. It was his birthday recently. Um, yes, today actually, Jerry Lawson. Oh, today, so Jerry Lawson. He was an African American, um, I suppose, inventor, you could say. But he's the man who actually designed the original video game cartridge. So he did it for I think for the Fairchild. F or the F, F, F Is that a F, bright F, yellow system? Was that a bright yellow no, it was, system? It was, it was a black and brown one, I think, back in the okay. day. He may have done stuff with the Magnavox Odyssey as well, off the top of my head. Born December 1st, 1940. And I'm not sure if you've got the, really got the credit he deserved for designing the original video game cartridge for those systems. But it's one of those things where without someone like Jerry Lawson, we wouldn't have the games as we have it today. Because basically he designed portable media, transferable media, that you could take and sell en masse. People could take home have a gaming experience in their house because realistically back then it was the time of the arcades and playing games at home was an absolute revelation. So I was sorry, revolution, not revelation. You look back through the history of games and there are these people in there who have just been, I suppose, legends realistically yeah. to help us progress to where we are today. And there's so much incredible history of video games. Like it really deserves, like there are people in places around the world and even Australia that have their own museums to look back for the history. And I believe it's one of the things personally why it's important for us to preserve video gaming as not only an art form, but as part of, you know, cultural history. Because people have made careers out of it, people have made innovations through it. I mentioned before about the fact that these video games to help recover from a stroke, which is now more and more of a thing that they're seeing. I think it was a recent study that talked about VR being used for people who suffer Alzheimer's to help them with managing that and, you know, doing better and things like that. So. It's one of those things I think it's very important, not just from an enjoyment factor, but also from a cultural and education standpoint too. Because now Minecraft's part of school curriculum. Yeah, my kids learn to code with Minecraft. Yep. Which is amazing. Doctors were using the Connect, the Xbox Connect at one point for like surgeries and stuff and, and, and camera stuff. Like I know the Connect's now not a thing, but I mean that piece of tech was being used. Gaming is like on the forefront of innovation when it comes to a lot of these things. And the fact that it, it's now bigger than television, movie, and music combined. Like, it's, yep. the, the industry is insane. Like, it's the biggest industry, entertainment industry around. Infernox says, did old game console games have similar age check or any theft things where you needed to look up words, pages in a manual, answer age-appropriate questions? I yes. know on... I've mentioned Leisure Suit Larry before. We had to try and guess dead presidents' names when we were way too young. And then they, they did have an anti-theft anti thing... 
I remember there was, I don't know if there was a roadblock in one of the games or something, but it would tell you to ring a phone number. I could be completely making this up, but I, I think it told you, there was like a phone number in the manual that you had to use or have to be able to go forward in the game, and it, it would sort of roadblock you. I don't remember that one, but I remember like, obviously games like Let's Shoot Larry had like the age gate thing. We had to, you had to know certain things, same as like strip poker and games like that back in the day. Oh, but, I wouldn't know anything about that, no. Of course not, being the, you know, of course not, yes. Anyway, I'm the delay, apart from historic purposes. <laughs> but the other thing you used to have in the, back in the day is to stop piracy, because piracy back then was so much, like, if you had, like, a floppy disk, you'd put it in, you get programs to copy stuff over, it was simple. But what they do is, in the manuals, they would have these little decoder wheels, in some of them, especially on things like Commodore 64 and PC games, where you'd have to bring up the game, you have to like unlock these little sequence of codes. You have to get this little coder wheel and spin it around to match everything up and then put the right numbers or the right symbols to match up to block you from just getting a pirate copy game and give it to a friend. So there's little decoder wheels, and there was another one back in the day as well. Wow, that's cool. I even saw some one game, but it was like one of the things where in the manual you had a little red bit of cellophane. Yes. Yes. Put it over a part of the manual yep. to read a code to put in to get the game to actually start. I also remember that red cellophane on Cluedo where you have to check who did the murdering. You'd get the little magnifying glass yeah. with the, oh, yes, yes. And also, really on the back of Transformers as well. So you can see the stats on the back of the Transformers, like, boxes. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, crazy to think an SD card is today's version of a floppy disk. Times have changed. Well, I think, I think even something like the moon landing was done with like our phone was is more powerful than what oh, they use for the moon landing. My watch is more powerful than what they use for the yeah. moon landing. It's, it's crazy. I think there was like eight megabytes of RAM or something. Is what powered, yeah. like not the gigabytes. Supercomputers. It was the size of a room. Supercomputer. Yeah. I remember back in the day. What's it, back in my day? Um, <laughs> When you could buy like a three three and a half thousand dollar PC that a top of the line ten gigabyte hard drive and like RAM was like, you know, one hundred and twenty eight megabytes of RAM or something like that. I was like, Oh, it's this top of the line, it's the fastest thing ever. Yeah. And it's just like once again, one of those evolutionary side of things, but back in the day playing like things like Mech Warrior or uh, I wanna say things like Stim Ant or Hot Rod. Or maybe California Racing, whatever it was, like the one with the you could modify your own cars and street racing and stuff like that. But yeah, all that sort of stuff back then was just ugh, incredible. And portable gaming involved taking a CRT monitor with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I remember uh, we went away. We used to go away every Christmas, and the year that I got the Game Gear, I had I was in my own tent, and I had the power cord running from the main tent to my tent, and I had the the master system um connector for the the game gear so you'd have the cartridge plugged in and then the cartridge plugged in the top just the, you sort of you don't i suppose we have backwards compatibility nowadays i guess but i mean you sort of don't get uh the the other thing with the atari like you don't sort of get that nowadays they're not sort of i suppose you don't sort of need it nowadays yeah, but that's a need i remember seeing the there was a tiktok about this guy with a gamecube and the gamecube had so much innovation with it you could pop up the bottom and then plug in an expansion thing, and then you could plug in another thing, and then another thing. The thing ended up about this tall. Yep. When he when he plugged all the bits and pieces into this into this console. Because yeah, I think they had like something for a um, 
three and a half inch floppy as well as like the GameCube adapter. I've got one of those. So you can play game like play GameCube games on your sorry, uh, Game Boy games on your GameCube. Got the Game Boy adapter and yeah, all the stuff yeah. you can stack into them. Same as this uh Gen sixty four had a disk drive as well, actually, funny enough. Really? Yeah. Plug in attachment. I think it was mind you, I don't think it was an official one. I think it was more for copying or pirating games back in the day. I know that the um the Sega had the what was the Sega one CD driver was called oh, the, the Sega CD. Was it just called the Sega CD? Okay, I think I yeah. made had that. I remember sitting at the video shop when the Amiga came out and playing Zool, and I think that was CD based too. And I remember sitting there, and you'd pay for your ten minutes or whatever, and you sit down, and the Amiga sort of didn't really, as far as I know, it didn't really take off though. I think the only place I ever saw one was at the video shop. I don't think any of my friends had any had an Amiga. I had a few friends that had the Amiga five hundred. Okay. Which meant there's actually a little Amiga 500 Mini that's over there behind me there, sorry, wrong side. But playing games on that was once again one of those sort of, in my mind, revolutionary. And back having a CD drive back then was such a rare, insanely rare thing. I remember getting a PlayStation 1. I got it for Christmas. And I got, I think I got a Formula 1 game on it. And I remember I had never used like a CD. Like C, like CDs in general, even music CDs were, were back in the day was like very, you know. And I opened up the PlayStation lid and then I had the spindle in the middle that you'd, you'd snap your CD on. I didn't realize what I had to actually do. So I sort you of sat just, top, sat, I just sat the CD <laughs> on it and shut the lid. And then I was wondering why this game wasn't working. And I seriously thought a brand new PlayStation that my parents had spent a fortune on was broken. Until I'm like, no, something's going on here. And then I realized that, oh, no, you've got to apply a bit of pressure. Yeah. How terrifying was it that first little, like, pop the first little time to get it down past yeah. the little bearing capture things like, yeah. like and break it and then getting it off the first time like the seed would always just flex a little bit yeah it was just like, scare the shit out of me yeah and then I, I realized that you could sort of hack the playstation you could i used to play destruction derby quite a lot and you could take if you were playing if you're in the middle of a game and you were loaded into a race you could open up the lid take the cd out and the game would still play as long as you didn't yeah. have to load anything so you'd have to you'd have to go on like a destruction bowl and have it like, like you'd have to be the very last person. Uh, you could still drive around and shit, but as soon as the game had to load, it was gone. But I, I think I had it running for like three hours after I took the game back. <laughs> I still remember back in the PS1 days, me and my younger brother actually worked out a cheat code we submitted to one of the magazines to make Laura Croft drop dead. Really? <laughs> what, did she just... Whoop? Yeah, she was literally like, so I can't remember it was like, you know, Step left, step right, up, down, left, the whole thing, whatever it was. But then she would, the last move would be she would jump and just die mid-jump and just collapse to the ground. Completely useless thing. But yeah, we submitted to one of the magazines. I can't remember which one of them published it. But like, it was just, yeah, a random, like, suicide style. But we were trying very hard to unlock, like, a God Mode style thing. Nude code. No, it wasn't new code. I didn't okay, know. Wait, all right. wait, was there a new code for Tomb Raider? Was it? Was there? There was, there was definitely a mod. <laughs> no, I, I've not heard There's of it. It's definitely thing. a mod on PC. I may have may have perused that mod once or I twice. Have, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's uh, you know being you know, the wholesome person that I am. <laughs> Ding. Um, yeah, you did but, you did perk up the new code though. What new code? <laughs> hey. <laughs> but yeah, so we found that one by accident. But it's one of those things. Were too back then. You could find. Codes are embedded in games to like do those sort of things. Yeah. Where once again, these days not so much. No. But it's just the discoverability in games too, like back then, was a lot of more hidden features. So you look at games and like Ready Player Two was a good example and like 
the game Adventure, where the the first this is the game that had the very first ever Easter egg in it, the little hidden room. If you've watched Ready Player One, you'll know about all that. But the pro the guy who programmed the game had hid hid a little message in the game. The showed off his name because you know they didn't credit in game stuff back then. So yeah. it's just one of those incredible things. Also, Easter eggs are much more common now, but back then less so. Mm. So yeah. Was that was that was that the one? Oh, I don't know if it was that one, but it was one recently. I remember hearing like last year that no one had discovered it for like twenty years, and then they discovered this Easter egg like twenty years that had been before anyone discovered this Easter egg. I can't think of what oh. game that was. I remember Neither seeing it on I. Twitter or something. It's like it's been twenty years, twenty five years. And someone's finally discovered this Easter egg we put all the way back back in the day. No, I, do, I remember that as well, but I can't remember what it was. But like, I love video game myths, like video game myths and legends, like things like the burial of you know all the ET cartridges and Atari cartridges at Alamogordo in Texas was one of the things I followed like my entire video gaming life sort of thing from first hearing about it back. Once I heard about it first back in the nineties, sort of thing, in just a random sort of magazine article. And then they did the, the dig, which they showed live on, I think, Xbox. It was streamed by Xbox Partners, something like that, but they had, like, um, all these people digging up, you know, they finally got permission to dig up all this sort of stuff. And I remember being at work and having my work on one screen and the stream on the other other screen and very quiet office. Everyone's working away, tapping away. I've got the headphones on, watching, like, tapping away and watching that and tapping away and watching that. And the second the first bucket came up, I just, like, stopped dead. <laughs> And just focused, didn't move. I felt like I didn't breathe for about five minutes. And then when they put it, the first ET car, I jumped up out of my seat in an office, mind you. It's like, yeah, like, I was so excited because it was real. It was like someone actually finding like the Ark of the Covenant or something. <laughs> I yeah. lost my mind. People were like, are you okay? I was like, yes. I was like, okay then. I was like, it was just Nazis melting <laughs> everywhere. That was just. <laughs> Oh God! So I don't think we get it as much nowadays as them throwing a license on anything. They do. They still do. I mean, there's still instances of that happening, especially with movies. Do they just shoehorn whatever theme they want to shoehorn? I remember, like back in the day, you'd have like some sort of platform. They go, "Oh, we'll make it home improvement." Okay, sick. We'll we'll slap a Tim Taylor skin on it, and we'll we'll give him a freaking drill. Cool. It's a home improvement game now. The the game had nothing to do with home improvement, but it was just a platform with Tim Toolman Taylor. Best example of that is like things like Atari, uh, things like ET on the Atari, the thing, the the game that potentially nearly killed gaming, realistically, the whole story behind all that. It was, I, f- I think I remember reading, the guy who built the game never even saw the movie. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Whole, well, that's there's a whole story yeah. around that, and I can't remember what it was, but like it was one of those things where like complete, like either it was a, like a super short turnaround. And he couldn't see the movie or didn't see the movie or something like that. Oh, and it's powered out really quickly. Yeah. But yeah. I was going to say, I was we're chatting about it before before we came on. There's a show on Netflix called, yes, there's a doc on Netflix. There's one, there's a show called Top Score, which it's a three-parter, which a uh, six-parter, which is fantastic. I think maybe they touched on E.T. during Top Score. They did a whole bunch of other different stuff. I really rate that documentary series. It's, they need more stuff like that with gaming. It's the crunch. It's the now you've got six weeks to do this. Now you know, now, you've, now you've got four weeks to do this. I think that was on that top score. If not, there is a doco. Shanksy says I'm pretty sure that was it. Yeah. Um, well, Halo Halo Combat Evolved wasn't that Easter egg after 21 years. 
on a Halo Easter egg? Oh, I don't know. High oh, school, not top school. High school. Chap my nose, but like, was that the hidden room or something, like the hidden area? I feel like that's what I'm, what I'm remembering from that, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Obenham might know. Obenham might know. Um, oh, Dynamite Ducks. Dynamite Ducks was fantastic. I used to play Dynamite Ducks on. Uh, that was my system, maybe. Yeah, high Dynamite Ducks. I like that. I like the game. There's a game called. Um, Sorry, I'm, we're going to get to Fallout because I've got the Fallout. We've got the Pip-Boy up That's here. That's right. <laughs> um, there's a game called, oh, what's it called? Psycho. Psychonauts? It called, no, it was called Psycho. I love Psychonauts. We chatted about that last week. Love Psychonauts. Psycho Duck? And you could turn into like an, oh, I need to find it now. It was one of my favorite. It was one of my, it was probably my guilty pleasure game to go back, way back to there. You could play as an elephant, a tiger, a, a hippo, as a. Um, I know that one. Um, Psycho Ducks? No, not Psycho Ducks. Psycho Duck? I'm trying to think. That, that's probably my guilty pleasure game. No, no, it's old. It's like old, old, old. What has Shanksy got here? No, Shanksy, is that, is that, what's, what's Shanksy got here? And you'd have little bubbles. It was like little, like, snow globe looking things. And you, oh, what, that game was... I love that game. I hide that game so often. Psycho Fox? Maybe Psycho Fox. Hold on. It might have been Psycho Fox. Psycho yeah, Fox? That was a Mega Drive game. Oh, I Psycho think that's Fox. It. That's it. That's, that, that, was, that was my guilty pleasure game. Psycho Fox. Um, that was my guilty pleasure game. I love that game. You could be the fox. You could be an elephant. You could be a, a tiger. Yes, this is it. I, gotta remember, I remember back in that day for the... Um... For the math system, my favorite game on that, California games. Oh, I'm happy to hide that every weekend. I could get a world record on pretty much everything, but how cool is it when you spun the wheel and you finally got the new bike and the new surfboard and stuff? And the, even the footbag was good. I mean, no one wanted the new footbag, but I mean, yeah. even the new footbag was good. Yeah, I love California games. That was. I, I still remember I worked out how to actually catch the frisbee. I was so excited about that. <laughs> Oh, the flying disc. Yeah. yeah, I used to I used to purposely try and do diving catches every time because you get you get more <laughs> stats. You could sort of do like a half bounce. You could sort of you could sort of jump before the disc hit the you could sort of dive knowing where the disc was gonna land and it would sort of land in your hand. Yeah. And if yeah, you dive the right though. Yeah. <laughs> I know we've got a lot of is foot is uh foot uh, hacky sack. Yeah, it was the hacky sack one. Yeah, foot bag. They really need to bring that back. They really need to. That's a game that needs a remake. California games. I was going through my collection the other day, and I've actually got it on, I think, four different platforms. Yeah, because I've seen it on. We played it on. We may have played it on Sega, and we also may have played it on Nintendo as well. I think. Mm. We played. Yeah, played it on a heap of stuff, and then we had. I love California games, and I also loved. I loved the Winter games. It was. It was more obscure. Oh, yeah. But you had like you jumping over. The, you had the barrel roll. No, that might have been World Games. World Games was sick too. Yeah, World Games, Summer Games, uh, Winter Games, all those sort of ones. There was one that had Decathlon or something in it. I can't remember if that might, that might have been World Games. Oh, we used to love the Decathlon on Nisari. That was our favorite. That had everything. I chatted about that last week where we used to rip our arms off doing the sprint when we didn't oh. need to do the sprint. <laughs> yeah, back and forth with the bloody joystick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, painful. Yeah. We had a special going back to chatting about joysticks before we had a special we had the, you had the default atari joysticks but then we had bought one that was like a a molded plastic one with a big red button on top and a big red button down the side and we used to suction cap it to the 
we had a little chair we used to sit on our lap and we'd suction cap it to the chair and we'd get some get some real you know leverage going on the joystick <laughs> that yeah sounds like the quick shot series because quick shot always had the big red button on top okay and and it was, was, it was, looked like a top look like a top gun it looked like a jet fighter one yeah but it was that, for the atari that was a quick shot we work on the atari is that the one you were talking about okay yeah uh i'm trying to find the name it had a, Actually, it had a, it had a it had a hyper button. Did it have a turbo yeah, switch a, or something? Had, had a quick shot button on top. I think it was called the not not wasn't the intruder. It was quick shot Atari. Uh, Atari Commodore Sega all had the same input. Oh, it might have been this one here. Actually, hold on. Might have been this one here. That's not what I'm talking about. There was a similar. I do have that one, but it was a similar one to that. Okay. I had. I did have that one. Yeah, I've still got that one as well. But the similar that the top would look more like the fighter pilot, like almost like a Cobra head style looking thing. No, that's the that's the one you're talking about. The one I had. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nah, it's so good. Uh, just the ah, uh, it's just it's just uh, just memory yeah. lane is just fantastic. I know. Isn't it great? Good old nostalgia. Oh, it just brings us back. So, brings us back. So in, so much make a podcast, you know, about, about nostalgic yeah. games or something. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Did you ever pass the driving license test in driver? Yes. You did? Yes. Well, you had to because you, you, you couldn't progress the game if you didn't. No, I, I don't think it's I ever – I think I hired it and never – I think driver 2 I played a heap because I, I didn't have that, I don't think. I don't think I, I ever got past the license test. I did it, but, God, it took me forever to do it. Yeah. Like I remember, I think I started one day, stopped, walked away, and then tried again next day, and I finally did it like day two or day three or something like that. It was ridiculous. That, that was probably that one of the hardest things I had to do. Um, driver two was great because I didn't have that, but the driving license that was just. Oof. Okay, here we go. Here's the pit boy. Tell us about this pit boy. So the pit boy and dog meat. That pit boy is actually the one that came in the Fallout Four pit boy edition. So our special edition released at launch for the launch of Fallout 4. I actually came out before I started working at Bethesda. I remember grabbing that at the midnight launch and being an absolute huge fan of that because you could put your phone into it and use that link up to the game and have your stats from the game on the app. That's cool. And when playing it, like it was honestly awkward and cumbersome to try and do that. Yeah. But at the min, I got home at midnight launch. I lived like five minutes from the local EB. Went down, got it, got home, installed the game, got the app set up, got the watching, got it all installed, had it on my arm, I'm playing away, I'm looking at the stats on here. Cool gimmick, not practical while playing, but very no. cool gimmick. <laughs> I think a lot of those things, it's like, sick, this is going to be so much fun for about three seconds. Yeah. It is actually great for cosplay because I've done it where I've got my old phone which fits into it. So if I do do a Fallout cosplay, I'll actually yeah, put the watch in there, oh, sorry, put the phone in there, to make it look like the poor bit boy face and walk around and have the music playing and the whole works and yeah. Uh, did you play any land games when it was that really popular? I never played any land games because I didn't really own a PC. I mean, we had a we had a yeah four eight six, and then we really didn't get a gaming PC until uh, probably ninety nine, and we got we got a just a PC from Harvey Norman, which. To be fair, was I was the only guy at school that could play Kingpin. Remember that that old game Kingpin, where you could actually blow off arms and legs and stuff. You couldn't do that in a game previously. You could actually like, I think you were like a mercenary. It was called Kingpin, but you're a mercenary, and I was the only one that could run it. And you could, you could shoot someone, and they would fall to the ground. 
and then you could like shotgun their arms and legs. Nowadays you can do that in whatever. Their arms and legs would just turn to mince meat. Everyone was just like, whoa. Because usually, like back in the day when something was like not animated anymore, it was like a static object. Like it, it didn't have any, it wasn't this whatever that engine is called. Yeah. Like it, it was like just, it was a piece of the scenery then. Oh, Shanksy could play, but in two frames per second. We'll get wrecked, Shanksy. I was playing it in probably 15 <laughs> frames. Get wrecked. But yeah, we didn't really do any landing. I tried to land once. Well, not land, but I did try, back in the day of dial-up modems, I did try and dial my friend to play the stock standard golf game that I think we used to get one with Windows back in the day. And I did try to, dial him directly on the phone to play uh, golf via networking and it did not work. So that was my only dabble into LAN gaming. I'm sure you did a lot of it. No. Didn't do it. Really? I, grew up in a, I grew up in a small country town. I did not get my, huh? like, the first PC I really had was a Homer 64, not counting the VZ300, which didn't have any online capability back then. But my first actual PC that I had, I bought secondhand from a from a hawk shop or a pawn shop, whatever you want to call it, depending on where you are in the world. And it was a very basic PC, but I needed something for uni to do work on. So I bought this thing for like a couple hundred dollars. And it was basic as, but it worked for a little while. But the first, I suppose technically the first LAN thing I ever did would have been on the PlayStation 2. Because yeah. there was a certain model on PlayStation 2, the original model, they could LAN two consoles together and play Gran Turismo 4 against each other. Ah, did you ever do the Game Boy to Game Boy thing? Yes. Okay. But I didn't do it till later. I didn't have a Game Boy till after the PS2, though. Okay. You see, I, I never I... had a Game Boy. I never had one. We were chatting last week. I've never owned a Game Boy. So I missed all that. I had a friend who had a Game Boy next to their toilet, and the family used to go in and play Tetris when they were taking a dump to get the high score. <laughs> They'd be in there for, you're in there for an hour. Yeah, I've got a really good run going. <laughs> I got a really good run gun. I'm, I'm just in the shit up. My first Game Boy was a Game Boy Pocket that I bought just to play Pokemon Red. I think so many people. I'm so new to Pokemon. I'm so new to Pokemon. I I started with Pokemon. Let's uh, Pokemon Go with the walking around the, my kids because I missed it when I was little. I was probably a little bit old. Well. I suppose you're a little bit older than me, but I mean, I suppose I was probably a little bit older and didn't watch that TV show. So I missed it completely first time around. But since Pokemon Go, I've played Let's Go Pikachu and I've played Sword and Shield and Arceus and then we've just played Violet. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm sort of like I, like, I quite like, I quite like the Pokemon games, but I don't, I don't think I, I don't have the nostalgia where I'd go back and play like a, a Game yeah. Boy one. Like I just, it just wouldn't. The constant battles shit me. I like being able to avoid the battles. The constant battles would do my head in. I just, I just want to get to this town. I just want to get to this next route. I just want to. Man. I'm curious though, since you have started playing, what has been your starter type? Uh, this time around, we went with Wade uh, Quaco, which was the fire starter. I am a fire starter. You are a fire starter. The last time we went with. Uh, little Tanny, which is one of one of the mods, it's called Tennis. We went in Little Tanny. Uh, that was the water type. Yep. And then I don't really have like I'm not really like a. I need the fire starter. I need the electric. I'm not one. I've heard traditionally fire is probably the strongest starter. I, I that's that's what I've been told. So I did want to go Quaxley this time around because Quaxley looks sick with the 
the bad boy 80s hairdo yeah, the, the cloth yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no we ended up going with um way quoco because i like nice. these i like this stupid idiot grin he just looked like a happy idiot and i thought i like this guy and then he evolved and he turned into not a happy idiot and i'm like yeah yeah no i didn't i don't have a preference so yeah what about you i've been fire starter since pokemon red because okay. of charmander playing every every one i've played i've yeah. always gone a fire starter and little foy coco whatever it is he reminds me of a little like rescue dog the look of mm. him he's just like there is nothing in his head no. but sheer love and adoration and just like yep I was like, oh, I would die for you, you little, yeah. you little idiot. I love you so much. Yeah, he's a beautiful idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the fact he's got a tick for hair too. It's like a big check mark on his head. Yeah. Just a big tick. <laughs> uh, what's your most controversial game opinion, old or new? Oh, this is going to get me in trouble. Let me go for it. No one's listening. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, right. <laughs> until, yeah, we, sure. until we put it up on socials tomorrow. <laughs> so... Noel's got to be careful. Noel, Noel's in the industry, so he does have to be careful with what he says. I do have to be careful, but I will, I will, I, I will, I will preface this up front with saying that I understand people love this game, and not everyone has to love the same games that everyone else does. It is fine. Zelda: Ocarina of Time. I do not rate. Everyone tells me it's a work of art. I have tried playing it. Namely, I've only tried playing it on the 3DS. I do own it on 64. Haven't played it on 64. I've only played it on the 3DS. Did not enjoy it, did not rate. I think Mario 64 did it so much better, but I've not actually played a side by side comparison of Ocarina of Time on 64 versus Mario 64 on there. So, yeah, I don't rate Ocarina of Time. I can hear the angry mob forming outside already. It's fine. Um, I'd never, because I, I just hadn't, I did, didn't play Zelda. Like, I was never a Zelda dude. I played Ocarina of Time, very first Zelda game on the 64. I enjoyed it. I finished it. I quite like it. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Like, I thought... I still think about, like, trying to feed the carrots to the horse while doing the, the horse race and stuff. Like, I, I still think about... Uh, I never played it again or anything, but I don't, I'm not this... I'm not a Zelda... Like, I'm not a, I'm not a diehard Zelda. Like, I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Breath of the Wild. I didn't think it was the... I didn't think it was God's gift to gaming based on one reason and one reason alone. Weapon degradation. I hate that game mechanic. It's my least favorite game mechanic. You you grind. Well, you don't have to grind so much because they throw gear at you in Zelda. But, I mean, you've got to carry 12 freaking shields around? Come on. My inventory management is terrible anyway, let alone give me 12 shields to manage. I just I hate weapon degradation, especially in a game where you've got to craft. Like, if you've got to craft a weapon and it's a brutal crafting process and then it dies and you can't repair it, I'm just like... Don't do that. We've we've earned our stripes. Let us have the weapon that we want. When we get the Master Sword, let it not break. I know you can recharge it and whatever else, but give us the Master Sword that doesn't break, man. Come on. So what do you like in Minecraft then? Do you play Minecraft? I've no, not really. <laughs> no, because my kids, my kids are obsessed with Minecraft. They love it. They love it. They've done survive. They what are you, what are you playing now? Oh, we're beating the Ender Dragon, Elder Dragon, whatever it is. I'm like, oh, cool. On survival, I'm like sick. I streamed it once or twice with my son. And I got wrecked. Like, as soon as it turned nighttime, I just got killed. Like, I love a survival, like, crafting sort of game, but the aesthetics of Minecraft don't please me enough to want me to pursue and push through the learning barrier. It's not pleasing to my eyes, Minecraft. I can see wonderful things that people create, and I think that is amazing. But you have to build stuff at such a scale to get it to look decent. I don't want to have to build a, a 
thousand foot building to make it look good. I'd rather, yeah, I don't know. It's not it's not aesthetically pleasing to me, so I, I don't really dabble in Minecraft. Chat really wants me to. They, they're talking about doing a mod pack where it's got like quest lines and stuff, which I think if it was a bit of hand holding, I think I could probably get into it because I do like a mega farm. I try and break games with farming. If, if the game's got farming in it, I will try and break it. I will say a, a fun thing about Minecraft. So I I enjoy occasionally dabbling with Minecraft, but I'll literally go in there and just play it like it's apocalyptic survival. So you know, you try and build a quick bunker and then you know dig down and you know survive the night. I will play like that, but I only play it for a couple of hours. Leave it there. But people who go in there and create these phenomenal worlds and a huge structure. I mean, that's yeah. absolutely brilliant. A friend of mine in the US actually. Uh, he runs a um, like a dog kenneling training sort of business, and when he was actually putting forward his proposal to the bank to get the loan for it all, this was years ago. He actually built the whole thing out in Minecraft, recorded a video, and used that to explain to the bank manager the layout of the place, how wow. it was going to be built, the whole thing. It was genius. It was absolutely wow. phenomenal. He showed me the video he used, and I was like, dude, that. That's actually fantastic. Here's a like, 3D rendering I've done here. Just have a look at this. Exactly right. And like yeah. it's, it's, it, it worked. He got the loan and got the place. He's doing it a couple of years now. Wow. And his, his business is still going and going strong. I really uh, like you see stuff on socials or TikTok or wherever else. And you, you see that this imagination that people have with these things. And Minecraft, like it's basic building blocks. That's what it is. So I mean, you, yeah. it's, it's, it's endless what you could do with it. But I just just give me a curved structure. Just give me one curve. Like I just I just want something rounded. I just I yeah I I, I don't know. I struggle I struggle with how it looks. I I do want to get into it though. I do want to get into it. But you can see there's people that have the server set up and they build like um, the entire map of Game of Thrones mm. on this server. Uh, do I have an unpopular? Oh well, probably weapon degradation was my unpopular opinion. Uh, Ten seems to love weapon degradation. I hate it. I don't mind. We were playing something recently uh, that had weapon degradation. I think Core Keeper, which is similar to like Stardew. We were playing that recently. And Core Keeper, you could craft your weapon, but then it would have a re- repair station. So once it got, once your weapon got down, you could enhance it with... And it wasn't brutal to enhance. It was like one copper bar would like reset your, your durability and give you a bit of extra. Well, that's fine. I'll throw copper bars at the problem. That's fine. When you've got to craft it from start again with this, the entire materials and whatever else, it's just don't punish gamers for. I don't like games that punish you for wanting to. I like the sort of power game a little bit with certain games. My aim is terrible, my skills are pretty basic, but like a farming, social, resource gathering game, I like the power game a little bit. I don't like games that punish you for wanting to, you know jam out some power gaming I, i'd rather be incentivized to do that sort of stuff but random question for you though maybe one for the chat as well what retro game would you want to see come back either as a remake remaster what would yeah. you want to see uh well california games would be one because i think i think we i think we need for that and plus the nostalgic factor would be amazing simpsons hit and run oh, interesting. i i would like to see that because it was it was it was GTA, but it was Simpsons. Like I had Simpsons Hit and Run on original Xbox, and it's not backwards compatible, so I can't throw it in and play it. Otherwise, I would play it. 
I just thought it was really cool. Like, I remember having the Simpsons WAD files for Doom back in the day, and you could play Simpson Doom. And like, I think we had, I think it was Alien Doom as well. You'd have the Alien WAD files as well. But Simpson Doom was great too. That was so much fun. But Hit and Run, I would probably, I'd, I'd say probably Hit and Run. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Hit and Run and probably California Games, the two. What about you? Me, I would love to see something along the lines of like. Need Speed 1, 2... Sorry, Underground 1 and 2 and Most Wanted remastered. I would love to see... Well, California Games would be another great one as well. Mm, it'd be fantastic. It'd be so good. There are so many phenomenal games that they probably deserve. Like, maybe not a remake, but a remaster. For those who haven't seen it, System Shock has been remastered. It's coming out at some stage. No said yep. that yet. But playing that game, it tickles... on. If you ever go, if you, if, you, if you think about an old game, you look at, you know, rose tinted glasses, that nostalgia vibe, stuff like that. And you, the game is never as you remember it. Mm. But the funny thing is, the way they've done System Shock when I played it uh, at a recent thing we had, it was how I pictured it. It was like literally like it was the modern version of the game I remember. And okay. it was just perfect in my mind. It was that, that sort of, because I played System Shock back in the day. And it was just that brilliant sort of remake of all that. But yeah, let's see remakes of Need Speed Underground 1, 2, Hot Pursuit, original Pokemon. I'd love to see a remake of that so people like yourself could actually replay the original game again, mm. but you're doing a whole lot of battles. Yeah. Um, Commander Keen has been mentioned so many times in this channel over the last two years. I know nothing of Commander Keen, but it keeps getting mentioned. I'd never played Commander Keen. I need okay. to find Commander Keen on YouTube. Hold on. Have you ever played Doom? I played Doom. You played Wolfenstein. I played Wolf. I, I arguably I enjoyed Wolfenstein more than Doom because I enjoyed killing Nazis. But yeah, um, no, I never played Command. Uh, no, is it is, is that what it is? Is it? There is a very strong tie between all three of those games. So Commander Keen, and I've got to try to remember this now. Commander Keen, I think, is supposed to be the grandson of. BJ Blaskovitz. Oh, really? Okay, I can yeah. see that based on this platforming. <laughs> and then there's a whole theory around BJ Blaskovitz and the Doom guy or, you know, Doom Marine sort of thing, mm. or Doom Slayer, depending which generation you want to come in at. But, yeah, but all three of them are linked together because, yeah, it's uh, all was done by, I want to say, John Romero back in the day, from memory. Yeah. It's one of those little funny things as well that not a lot of people know about. So I talk about Commander Keen. There's a link to Wolfenstein, a link to Doom. They all sort of have a weird little tie together. It's the, it's the gaming cinematic universe that is Doom, Commander Keen, and Wolfenstein. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I didn't... I didn't uh, no, I never played it. Never never played Commander Keen, but it, Commander Keen does get mentioned very often. Chat says uh, Newsboy. Is that Paperboy? We call it Paperboy over here. Paperboy. Yeah, Paperboy. Paperboy? Duck Hunt, Duck Hunt. I I quite like I quite like those Point Blank games at the arcade. Uh, we said those are great. Point Blank Two and 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 that. I would I would like to see. We mentioned it before. I'd like to see a new Guitar Hero game. I know that um, we've got like Just Dance now. And we've got um, you know, Let's Sing and that sort of stuff. It's a bit hard now with all the DCMA and stuff when it comes to like at home. It's fine, but I mean like as far as like content goes on on Twitch and wherever else. I would love to play Guitar Hero, but I probably wouldn't be out. You probably wouldn't be able to stream it. I don't know. You'd have to 
delete the VOD or something. You'd have to... A stream-friendly version where you could either sub out the actual music for... Actually, no, you couldn't because Guitar Hero is all about the music, so... Yeah, that's... I wouldn't... It's, it's similar to, like, Disney Dreamlight Valley where copyright um, streamer mode, I turned off. I mean, we're not playing a Disney game without Disney music. Like, I'm... I, there are streamers there that are playing top 40... Top 40, fucking hell, how old am I? There's streamers there that are playing freaking people... I I was on Twitter saying everyone's doing their wrapped up from Spotify, yep. the, the year wrapped. I didn't recognize any fucking names on any of those lists. I'm going to be honest. I'm like, who the fuck are these people? I have no idea. Weirdly enough, and once again, this is another question for yourself as well, maybe for chat too. Have video games introduced you to a new band or a new style of music? Because I know games like Amplitude and Frequency back in the day introduced me to a band called Freeze Pop which is like a synth-pop band. And then I want to say for Guitar Hero, Dragon Force, Fire in the Flames. Yeah. Stuff like that. Like, video yeah. games can, like, once again, lead you to whole different music genres, education things, languages, the whole sorts of things. Anything like yeah. that for you? or I, I, I'm very eclectic with my music taste. Like, the older I get, the more eclectic I get. Like, I never liked Elvis back in the day, but now Elvis is like one of my favorite artists because it's just nice music and you can uh-huh. hear the, you can hear what he's fucking singing about and and um but I remember playing like Guitar Hero and um being introduced to like the Altman brothers with the guitar, like the the guitar riffs that they were doing and a lot of the, I preferred a lot of the old school sort of songs on that, the songs that you sort of hadn't heard before. And like Heart, like I always liked Barracuda, but there was a couple of songs there that I didn't know was theirs. I now love like a video game soundtrack. I know it's not so much artists and we're sort of, I sort of switching gears a little bit, but like the Ori soundtrack is like one of my favorite soundtracks. And the second one is just amazing too. The theme songs instantly take me back to it. I know a lot of people love Zelda and the theme songs for that, but I think Ori's got some of the greatest music. Uh, for a video game and a movie and anything really, you look at something like Red Dead Two. The soundtrack for that was amazing, and that introduced me to a lot of artists that work in the industry that I probably don't really have big names for themselves, but you would see their names that they were involved with that soundtrack, and I'd be like, okay, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to see what work they've done with it, with um, different games and stuff. I'm trying to think. I'm nothing's really really standing out for me. I do associate music with a lot of things. Like I'm I'm a Massive, massive music, musophile or whatever you want to call it. Um, And they trigger memory so... Music triggers... Music and smells, like for me, are the two big triggers that it comes to, like memories and nostalgia. No, I'm just trying to think. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. All right. (laughs) Probably need for... Probably, like I said, probably need for speed, if anything. Like, Mm. I... That's not my genre of music, Need for Speed Underground 2, but I still remember the tracks. I still remember Ja Rule and... I don't know if Buster Rhymes was on it or what, but it was like... It was that old school, you know, sort of hip-hop and shit, which I do now. I will put on old school hip-hop on on Spotify and stuff. But probably that. Probably that. Nice. There is a new Need for Speed out. Yes, I've not played it yet, but I'll probably be checking that out next week. I'm, I'm letting games die down a little bit now before I play these things because probably not so much with Need for Speed because you can't really spoil it, but I, I've learned a lesson from God of War. God of War, also also fantastic soundtrack, God of War. Um, yes. I'm not playing games at launch. Um, now, that was Bear McCreary, wasn't it, God of War? Uh, I can't off the top of my head, sorry. Okay, and I, I don't know whether... I'm trying to think of who was involved with... 
Red Dead. There's a guy that's pretty prolific with video game soundtracks. And even if you look at something like like the orchestral arrangement, D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo, yes, Unbroken. That was the, they did the, they did a performance at the Game Awards the year that Red Dead was up for it against um, God of War. And they did like a, a medley, a montage of all the, the amazing songs from Red Dead. And it was just, it was one of my favorite things of that year was just watching that montage. It was just, it was just fantastic. And, Got a hammer and a nail, I'll nail it. Like the house building song, like, oh, one of the favorites. Also, speaking of stuff like, speaking of, more, speaking of the more orchestral stuff, uh, Eon Zer, he did, he's done a bunch of soundtracks for video games. He has done Crisis, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Fallout New Vegas, Dragon Age, Dragon's Dogma, but he's also done TV shows as well. He actually did the theme for Power Rangers Turbo back in the day. Power Rangers yeah. Turbo? Yeah, back in the day, that was him as well. Wow. But you mentioned God of War. And yep. something, one thing I preferred earlier, because back in the day when I worked at PlayStation Support, I got to do a lot of cool stuff, including go to a lot of the game launches. And I have this little thing here, which I'm not sure if you ever see or not. Yes. So that is a God of War 2 press kit signed Ooh. by the developers back in the day. Ooh. Actually made of wood and the whole works. But yeah, one of the things Jesus. I actually love in my collection. We're pretty far into God of War Ragnarok. We're pretty far in. I, I've, I've had put it on the back burner because I've found that um, a lot of these single-player story-driven games, people want to play and not have them spoiled. So I do. I am actively going to put them on the back burner moving forward. But we've just jumped back in now. That game is just so atmospheric. The level designs uh, are just beautiful. Like you look at something like that, and you you just can't fathom. Going back to like barnstorming, you can't fathom what where how far we've come. It's just it's yep. just mind boggling. One of the things I'm going to show you about this is this kit was absolutely amazing, but it actually came with a copper coin, which has actually started to rust a bit over time. Oh, got the patina going, nice. Yes. And a so, green. Yeah, so an actual. I need to give it a good cleanup, but yeah, an actual copper coin. Like oh, it's one of the reasons why I love press kits so much because sometimes you get some of the most random, incredibly cool bits and pieces in them. So it's part of my collection. And one of the things I think it's overlooked too from a um, collecting standpoint is some of the documentation and stuff that comes in press kits. Because often you get material in there you won't find elsewhere. And that sort of stuff I think is sometimes it's overlooked from a preservation standpoint as well. Yeah. I remember I had I had a GTA San Andreas basketball and I had it for years and I had never blown it up. And it was in a drawer for years. It did end up getting thrown out. <laughs> I still have that long enough. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Now I've um, I've got actually speaking of press kits, speaking of goodie bags. Look at this chat. Look what I've got right here. Look, chat has been at me. Chat has been at me since launch, saying, "When are we playing Goat Simulator Three? We're playing Goat Simulator Three right after this pod." Uh, and I've got a little unboxing. Thanks to my good friend, at, good friends at Play On to show you. So, uh, strap in. We're going to be getting up to all sorts of shenanigans. What a great um, company they must be. <laughs> play On, they're so nice. They're, they're really great people. Really great people. Hey, they're a really good, really good, really good community manager as well. Yes, yeah, the community <laughs> manager is fantastic. Go follow him on Twitter and Insta. Um, yeah, there's, there's some really cool. I haven't really enjoyed that. I've. I, I'm a bit of a hoarder and a bit of a collector. I don't like throwing out boxes. Like I've got so many boxes here still. I, I have to really, I have to really force myself to throw out boxes. Like I, 
pop pop figures and stuff. I rip them open. I've ne- I've never sort of concerned about that. But I've still got like, I've still got my Switch box here, my Xbox box, my PlayStation box. I had a whole bunch of peripheral boxes. Um, I I don't like throwing stuff out, but press kits are amazing. You can see, there's an El- Elder Scrolls official cookbook and a sweet roll. And what is that tooth? Is that what is what is that? Is that a tooth? Oh, is that a sweet roll? That's a sweet roll. It looks like a tooth. <laughs> I thought it was a tooth. I did get this recently in the Devil in Me um, press kit. Ooh, that, very nice. That bad boy is sick. We love a we love a goodie bag. I like a collectible. Also, also speaking of boxes, I've got, actually I'll get to the Sweet Roll box in a moment because there's an interesting story behind that. But um, I did a TikTok a little while ago where it hit nearly half a million views. Jesus. It was literally me just um, doing a stitch with somebody talking about throwing out their boxes. So I did a quick video of my okay, game I'm, I'm, I'm have to find with all, it all, right. all the boxes and stuff. Yeah, if you just look up Fury76 on TikTok, you'll find me. Yeah, that picture you had it before with the Sweet Roll box, that box started a cult or a church, I should say. Yeah? Yeah. So the Church of the Holy Sweet Roll. Oh, I think I remember you talking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So over this shoulder here, you'll see it behind me on the shelf. Probably out of the way, uh, you'll see there's a sweet roll there, which is a little presentation they gave me a while back. They started by pure accident at PAX one year for the re release of Skyrim. We were there, we gave out a thousand sweet rolls a day for free at PAX. And if you've been to PAX, you understand that free food and free drink at PAX is just, you know, a godsend sometimes. But we gave away a thousand sweet rolls a day, and every sweet roll had one of those boxes. And what happened on the first, and this is going to sound a little bit um, religious, so I apologize. You know, <laughs> but gather around, children, to the, for the tales of the church of the Holy Sweet Roll. Um, but on the, on the first day, they basically, these people started gathering the boxes together and making like little suits of armor and had a little stockpile in the corner of the queue hole. On the second day, they started building a spire. And I can't even describe it as a spire because this thing got real tall real quick. And everyone had like helmets and pauldrons and chest armor and weapons all made out of these boxes. And people were literally eating the sweet rolls and bringing the boxes to them in the queue hall. <laughs> on the third, on the third day, on the third day. <laughs> I was at the far end of PAX, uh, pretty much in the same room we were in for our, uh, for our panel, uh, Jeff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I got a phone call from uh, Guy Yug Blomberg, who used to be one of the uh, people who run packs and he calls me and goes, you need to get the queue hall now. I'm like, what's wrong? He says, get here now. And I'm like, I've got a panel starting in like 30 minutes. It doesn't matter. Get here now. I'm like, crap, what's going on? Cause that's what we're doing. The sweet roll giveaways. And they knew I was doing this panel. I was like, shit, shit, shit. So I'm not built for speed, but I hold ass <laughs> from the furthest point of packs all the way down the queue hall. I get down, I go through the actual convention itself because going for outside, there's people out there and I want to get there fast as possible. I come through the main doors, look to my left, and all I see is my mate Yug, this spire which is nearly touching the roof of the queue hall. So anybody who's been to PAX realize how tall this is. And you see people chanting, sweet roll, sweet roll. I look up alongside Yug and go, what the? And he then... No, pushes me in the back towards them, goes, <laughs> he's from Bethesda. And I go, this is how I die. <laughs> the object lady was right. They all turn to face me. I'm like, hi. And they just start bowing. He's like, sweet. Roll towards me. I was like, 
<laughs> yeah, um, I made it. I made it. And from there, I ended up doing stuff with them pretty much every year while I was at Bethesda. So the second year, we brought down more boxes for them, making another mini spire. Oh, the God. year after that, we actually got them official sweet roll penny arcade pins. And then my last year there, I got the, for a lot, for a lot of work, got the Church of the Sweet Roll made into part of Elder Scrolls lore. You can now find the priests of the Church of the Sweet Roll in Elder Scrolls Online. And they talk about the Church of the Sweet Roll and have like some of the things written out in there. It is, I believe, the first time ever, especially for Australia at least, that a community group has somehow become part of video gaming lore love just it. from a Sweet Roll. And I still love them to this day. I see them every time I see them at PAX, I'm still part of the Facebook group. I still chat with them. Uh, I absolutely love the entire Church of Sweet Roll. They are all great. The um, they are, <laughs> There's even a hierarchy with the top person being his rolliness. <laughs> and I believe my title was like Guardian Angel or something like that, okay. the Church of the Holy Sweet Roll. And my title is actually the Holy Sweet Knoll for the church. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Which I freaking love, but it's beautiful. Anyway, sorry, I've rambled on too long about that, but yes, you can see you've got the video. Oh, that's good. It's fantastic. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I remember someone screaming that out during our panel. Someone was up the back of the, the auditorium. Of the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's the TikTok that we were talking about. I've got to turn that back up. Here we go. I don't know what millennial needs to hear this, but throw away your empty boxes. No, they're my boxes. I'm keeping them. Oh, Jesus. I don't know that's what a, millennial needs to hear that, this, that, that's, that's eight seconds, half boxes. a million, half yeah. a million views. Yeah. It's insane, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's nuts, isn't it? It's crazy. Crazy. There's another uh, video on there. If you, want to, if you want to show everyone, if there's a little quick mini tour of my games room. Oh, this yeah. might give people an idea as well as some of the um, bits and pieces I do have in there. Okay, which one are we looking at? The games room over here. Bang. Yep. So, Holy hell. So this, is only, this is part of my collection. It's probably about 30, 40% of it. Holy shit, balls! It looks like the back room at a... God. So I've also the stuff that's also out around here as well. Uh, other end of my flat and my storage unit on the, up on the central coast as well. That is insane. If, if, if you're listening to this on audio, go check out YouTube or go check out uh, Noel's TikTok, um, Fury76 on TikTok. Um, this game room is ridiculous. It's, it's, it's a shrine. That's what it is. Oh, look at that old... Oh, the old Master System stuff. Oh, that just takes me back. Oh, uh, oh it's just... Nintendo, like a Nintendo, looks like a Nintendo shotgun in a box or something there. Oh, so at the top, that's the um, Nintendo Super Scope 6 for the Super Nintendo. Um, light gun, shoulder-mounted thing, so it looks, like, it looks like a bazooka. It was actually that toy, or that, 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 that peripheral, was featured in the original Super Mario movie with John Leguizamo and Bob Hoskins. And they used it as an actual weapon in the game. Not that one particular, but that, that actual device. Crazy. Look at that collection. That's that, that the collection's nuts. Absolutely nuts. That is a I, I really hope is... chat's chat, chat's enjoying that. I can I can't see what chat's saying, so I hope I hope, I hope they're enjoying all this. Yeah, no, that's it's uh it's insane that collection. Absolutely all arranged alphabetically. Uh I don't know. Getting there. Getting there getting, slowly. Getting there. It's a lot. Every time I get in there. This exact thing happens like, oh, I remember this game. Oh, yeah. And I get sort of sidetracked into going down that path of nostalgia yeah. for a couple of hours. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy. 
where do you see the industry going? Like, where do you, where, where do you see it? Do you see us completely getting away from physical stuff? Do you see us, like, where do you see us going in the future? Is, is it is the physical medium, are consoles even going to like be not a thing anymore? Like, what, what do you think? I think there will always be some sort of physical product. What that will be, I don't know. Like, I'm a big fan of physical discs and stuff. Oh, this is pretty obvious from that last video. I'm a big fan of the physical product. I know I'm part of a dying breed where it's easy just to download the game and do stuff like that. Totally fine. I do see the industry leading much more towards a digital platform or dig much more digital focused platform. If you look at PlayStation Plus and you look at um, Xbox Game Pass, they're a great example of how well that stuff works. But I think there'll always be a want for the physical medium. Mm. Whether that will still be a thing, I don't know. I think there will always be a bit of a separation between the platforms. Like PC will always be PC, console will always be console. The crossover we have now with um, crossplay is fantastic, and I would love to see more of that. I'd love to see us get to a point yeah. where if you're on Nintendo, I'm on PlayStation, someone else is on Xbox, or you know, any combination of that, we can all play together. Because mm. I'm a big believer that gaming should be for everybody. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, age, race, sex, gender, ability. Everyone should be able to play games. And if you can play with friends and more people, it just makes for a better experience. So I would, I think it's going to be much more digital. I think it's going to get far more accessible as time goes on. But yeah, I think people like myself, a bit of a dying breed, the ones who chase down a physical product for each release, will yeah. start becoming a bit more... I suppose it, rarer, I guess. Even even the even the phasing out of like the booklets. Like I, I used to love a booklet, and even the I, phasing out of that. And I, once the booklets sort of not not that they were the same thing, but once the booklets started, I used to fa I find myself getting the the Prima game guides and that quite often for games that I knew I was going to be sinking a lot of time into. Um, it's just there's something nice about having like a a disc that'll like snap shut. And I remember when I bought my PC years and years and years ago when I bought my first first gaming PC in like 10 plus years uh, it didn't come with a disk drive and I was completely like I wasn't in that headspace yet where I was like how am I playing games on this because I just I it was just so foreign not to have a disk drive on a, on a, on a thing so um, I bought it like an external one I've never used it because you don't you don't need to one of the things I will say about physical medium versus digital is I think it was Stan Lee made the quote years ago about, you know, what, what do you see the future of comics being? Do you think there'll ever be a need for, you know, do you think ever, ever think physical comics will die out? Mm. And it's runs along the lines of like, uh, I won't say exactly what he said because it's a little bit spicy, but I believe it was along the lines of there'll always be a need for a physical medium because you can't take a hard drive into somebody and say, I love your work. Can you sign my hard drive? Mm. It's like you want someone like if you met like we've spoken tonight about a couple of the games we love and like Carrie Fisher is a great example. Mm. I did take a I did take like a giant hard drive never heard of sign. But yeah. if you were to meet your favorite author, you want to take in a book they've written, if you're talking like a musician, you want to take in their album, there'll always be a need, I feel, for some sort of physical medium. But what that ever ends up being, who knows? I could not tell you. Fine. Talking about price possession, it's not that I've not that this is gaming related, but uh, physical medium related. Uh, Game of Thrones, Ooh. George R. R. Martin, mm -hmm. signed. I got a sign to my son Lincoln. 
I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an unselfish dad. I thought, well, Link loves reading, and um, I'm assuming he's going to like fantasy and stuff. So when I got George R. R. Martin to sign it, and I said, "Can you sign it?" I went to a, I went to a book, th- I went to a publisher thing in the city. Yeah. I had a friend who worked at a big book um, publisher in Australia. I won't, I won't name names, but there's probably like one of them. And he said, we got, we got a George R. R. Martin thing, industry only. I can say you're, you're like part of the, the the group and you can come with me. I'm like, sick, done. I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll say I'm in IT or something, you know. This is a few years ago. So I went to this publisher event and it was in a small room and it was like maybe 30 people. <laughs> and I'm there and I'm like, oh, Jesus. And then he runs into, I was there for about 10 minutes and then he runs into someone he knew. And then she like looked at me and he goes, he goes, oh, this is this is Matt from IT. And she goes, oh, good. I've been meaning to talk to someone from IT. And I'm like, fuck. Uh, anyway, I got George R. R. Martin to sign that. And I said, can you sign it to Lincoln? He goes, you, I usually don't sign names. I said, it's my son. I said, he's, he's young. He loves reading. He said, okay. So we signed it to, to Lincoln. So that's probably my prized possession. But will he ever finish the last book? Who the hell knows? No idea. Obener in chat wants to know, do you still do 3D printing of gaming related stuff? I sure do. And yes, um, so you might be able to see it behind me up in the shelf just up there. There's a great big D-pad up there, big white yes. one. I printed it off the other day because I've just got a brand new printer we just fixed up from a friend of mine. So I've just got that and I'm currently working on a couple of different projects that I won't speak too much about at the moment because some of them are a little bit, we'll see how they go and turn out first. But yes, I do yeah. still do 3D printing stuff like that. I've been printing out a bunch of uh, controller stands and stuff like that because I've literally, I was given a 3D printer from a mate of mine a little while back. Uh, I just spent some time with it this week to get it working, so I've now got it fully functional. I haven't even had a chance to tell him yet because I've only just finished testing to make sure it works properly. So I'm not sure if he's watching, but hey, the 3D print is working now. But yeah, um, yes, I'm still doing that. That Warhammer you can see, be- oh, sorry, the that Warhammer there is 3D printed. That's the Iron Warhammer from um, Skyrim. And up on top of that is a little custom Doverkin helmet that I designed and printed for dog meat, my little pop vinyl so good companion dog meat <laughs> um is the companion cube 3d printed or is that a bought one that is a bought one that's actually okay. a cookie jar that's oh, cookie jar busy oh, i've seen that somewhere i've seen that somewhere um i saw a tweet today actually if you, if you are interested in gaming stuff big w apparently has a shitload of gaming stuff at the moment um like a heap of lights mugs yep. accessories cups all sorts of stuff so check out the yep. big w for your gaming stuff I've got so much um, like stuff like that, but I was going to say, you're talking about price before too, and sorry to cut you off real quick. No, go, no, no, go for it. Uh, we were talking before about um, Mario and things like that. So years ago, I got to meet the wonderful Mr. Charles Martinet, the voice of Mario. Oh, so, yes. I got him to sign my WaveBird controller. I'm trying to get that in the right light so you can see about too much glare. It's a bit hard. Wow. And obviously a copy of um, Mario 64. Wow, that's crazy. But that was at a meet and greet that I won a competition to go see him at. And I actually taken in, I actually, this is after Skyrim had come out. Because he's the voice of Parthenax, I tried to get him to sign my Parthenax statue. And Nintendo basically, there is no way you're bringing that in here. It's a Nintendo event. Yeah. It's not happening. It's like, wow. cool, I get it. No worries at all. Um, but yeah, so I got him to sign that a few bits and pieces. But I've also got some stuff signed by Todd Howard, uh, some of the Forza developers. Resistance Fallen Man developers, Killzone developers, Mass Effect developers. I've been very, very fortunate. I've met a lot of really, really cool people in my career. I've been so lucky. I was, 
I came to your headquarters for a uh, thing for uh, Lego Star Wars, yep, that's right, yep. and I saw one of the prized possessions they have at the HQ, and it's a massive gaming pad, one of those fighting gaming pads, and underneath, or in a drawer, I think we're pretty sure it was underneath, uh, Ed Boon had signed it, which Ed Boon is Mortal Kombat. You think Mortal Kombat is Ed Boon. Yep. Um, and that was, that'd be one that you'd have to sort of, slip out the back door one night just to uh, just i don't know what happened it disappeared i don't know where it went my boss is fully aware that i'm a collector okay. he's already he's already told me if that goes missing i'm coming to you first <laughs> i was gonna say he's, he's, he's already said well you know when we don't need it anymore <laughs> decker in chat wants to know were you with bethesda the year they did the horror maze at eb expo in sydney i wasn't with them that was just before i joined but I did go okay. through that maze okay and i went through it a couple of times the second time i went through it because a friend of mine wanted to go through it and because i've been through it once already i knew where everything's going to happen yeah. and i knew about the very end where the box head dude chases you out and she put me in front to you know block all the bad things and get to her but because at the very end, I knew that we get chased out of the maze, I just locked myself. I just locked myself to the ground. And so he came <laughs> right behind her. My friend Tegan, I was a bit bigger back then, uh, but I swear she lifted me and just like carried slash pushed me the remaining like four feet out. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Decker says he was box head. No way. Yeah, there you go. That's so cool. <laughs> Very cool. Actually, I was boxhead. If you're boxhead, um, you might appreciate the fact that for when the because that was for the that was the game that was for the game the Evil Within. When the Evil Within two came out, I was working at Bethesda then. We did an activation up with Warner Brothers Movie World in the Gold Coast during their Fright Nights, and we actually had two of the upgrade chairs which were in the game, both one and two. Two were made. One was used at Fright Nights. One was used at EB Expo that year. Now, of those two chairs, both approved by studio, one of which was destroyed. The other one is now mine. Whoa. Wow. They gave it to me. It's part of my collection. It is not here at the flat because it weighs a bloody ton. But it is. In, I do still have that along with a bunch of other things. I don't know if I should have or shouldn't have. I don't know. Ah. But... Yeah, it weighs a ton. It is very cool. It was my gaming chair for a very, very long time. Wow. It is not that comfortable, but it's very cool to look at. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Big Daddy wants to know, do you have any Destiny 2-related stuff? Do you dig on Destiny 2? I did dig on Destiny for quite a while. Destiny 2, I didn't get a whole lot of time to play. Uh, I missed out on... Was it, what was it wasn't called Mole... wasn't Molnir or something else. But basically, it was a big... Uh, one you could buy from EB... So I missed out on that. I wanted to get it back in the day. I also just missed out on one of the specialisms for that, which had the the ghost, I think it was. It's called the ghost? Little 30 cube thing. I can't remember what it's called now. So yeah, unfortunately not. Not a whole lot of stuff at Destiny, sorry. What is the one item you're dying to get your hands on that you haven't yet? What's your holy grail? Oh, damn. My holy grail. Actually, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a top three. Yeah, go for it. So... That would be the Scorpio, Project Scorpio Xbox. Mm-hmm. Well, Project, what do you mean? Like the original one or like a Project Scorpio one? A Project Scorpio one. I've got a Project Scorpio Xbox. No, no, I want the studio one, not the public Oh, you want the studio one. one. I was going to say, oh, yeah. yeah, I've got, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, the public release one, I missed out on that, but there was a internal yeah, one. you want the actual, you want like the dev kit, the, the proper, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, actually, I would love all the internal release Xboxes, to be honest. 
Um, but yeah, from an Xbox side, I'd love those. From a PlayStation side, I would love the PS2 automotive color range of consoles. So they did a red, a blue, a yellow, a white. And well, PS2 one. did. They had all those colors, really? Yep. Wow. You Google them, and they were all painted with automotive paint as well. Really? Which is a little, little fun fact. Okay. And from a Nintendo side, the thing I'm, there's three things I'm chasing for Nintendo. One is a um, the uh, NES or well, NES or SNES Game Boy Micro, a Virtual Boy, uh, and of course the Power Glove. The Power Glove. Oof. The it's Power crazy. Glove. Yeah. 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 That Power Glove. People are people digging that. I remember seeing the ads for that, and it was like a cyclone ripping through the house, and it was like it was. It was basically going to be God's gift to um, controller accessories, and then yeah. uh, I don't I think I don't know if it really worked. Worked, I don't know. No, it, it, know. it was it, honestly it was, it was it was horrible. Like it had like a little mercury switch in the glove, so you put the glove to try and steer. And you're doing these ones, and it was so sensitive and so rubbish. But I still I still want so badly. If you haven't ever seen the Wizard, Google yeah. the Wizard. Yeah. Um, because there's a whole scene that about you know <laughs> the power glove. It's so bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> There was um with uh um Kevin from the Wonder Years with Fred Savage. Yeah, um, yeah Fred Savage, and, yeah. And Mario Super Mario Three was the game that got invalid at the end. It was like, whoa, no one had ever seen this before. That whole movie was purely just advertising for Mario yeah. Three, I swear. Yeah. Yeah, that was. It was the Yeah, I remember that I remember that movie. That was a good movie, that one. I'm a sucker for a cheesy movie. I used to yeah. like watching the Nintendo cartoon series, which was just a, was just a half an hour advertisement for Nintendo. I think it used to be on Agro, I think. But it was just this kid who had the power glove who would go into the cartoon. He never whoop. never never saw it. We didn't have that on that. TV. I grew up in a small country town, we had two TV channels. We did, we would barely get anything like that out there. Yeah, it was like it was basically just a paid commercial for Nintendo. But it was Nintendo cartoon. Oh no, the game mask. Captain N the game masters. That was oh, it. Wow. No, this never is it. That you one. can search it on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to oh, show it up here on the screen now. Captain N and the Game Masters. That was this is what I grew up on. Wow. That was that was. Let's, let's see what the music is. Hold on. Castlevania. There's Kitakaras there. Oh, that was. Yeah. yeah, it was just it was just an advertisement of Nintendo. It was good. Metroid, I enjoyed it. Metroid? I think so. And then there was this. Um, Kid Icarus and, and Peach or something, I think it was, yeah. this punch out. Yep. It was this guy, he, he's got oh, a power glove and then he, he got American. sucked into How yep. many of you never saw this? Wow. Okay. There you go. Well, I've, you, you, oh, you got homework for the next week now. This is some classic 80s right there. Oh, yeah, my this, God. Yeah, this, this was, this is the TV. Yeah, look at that. Look at the effects. Well, the dog went into TV. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah, and he's, love there, it. He's, there he's inside the game with the characters. Kevin N, the game, the master. game master. That was it. That was great. So they were watching the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon as a kid and like things like He-Man, Transformers. Yeah. Stuff like that. But this one, never saw this one. No. It's it's in the yeah. era of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff. Same sort of animation style oh, and and that. That was so good too. That was so good. I wish I'd have kept all my stuff in that. Power gloves on eBay oh. for 300 bucks. There you go. 300 bucks for a power glove. Yeah. No. I will say, because you mentioned Ninja, Ninja, Ninja Slightly Turtles. Slightly used. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can't really see it, but up on that top one up there's all my original Ninja Turtle stuff buried yeah. behind the signed Stan Lee Pop and everything like that. Oh, so annoyed. I had I had the 
I had the the van, I had the blimp, I had the I had so much stuff, and then He Man. I saw that you had Castle Grayskull. I had all the He Man stuff. I'm so annoyed I got rid of all that. I had the like the eight nineteen eighties Lego space station set. Yeah, there it is. There, bastard. I had the nineteen eighties like Lego uh, Lego space station set, which you can which is worth a freaking fortune now. Oh yes. Noel gets annoyed when he gets our bid. You can ask him, does he? Okay. <laughs> Obener, Obener oh, obviously yeah. knows what you're up yes. to. Yes. Yes, he does. He knows. We once went toe to toe at PAX for Child's Play Charity to get a 20th anniversary PlayStation 4. And okay. we sat side by side. He he won the previous year. The following year, he's like, we sat down. Anyway, he's like, oh, you're not going to go. You know, he's like, no, no, no. What, how much are you going up to? And I told him. I told him like a chump. What oh. my max bid was. He went straight to my max bid. I was like, you son of a. But <laughs> is that how you much you're going? Is it right? <laughs> he went straight down like you son of a, and he was laughing the entire time. But to his credit, he is the amazing friend who gifted me a t- the 20th anniversary PS4 and the 500 million PS4. Oh, there you go. Well, you can't stay mad too long then. No, exactly. But he did send it to me in a box that had five kilograms of green glitter in it. Oh, that's it. evil. I opened it up at Bethesda at work at my desk oh. and literally had to spend half my day because we didn't have a vacuum clean in the office. No. So sweeping up super fine glitter. And I know, I know right now he's laughing. I know he is. All the glitter. <laughs> All the glitter. The, the, the cleans, cleans that night. Like, who had the strip show in here? There's just glitter everywhere. <laughs> it's stuck to everything. Yeah. Uh, Look like glitter had looked like a unicorn and a stripper had exploded on me. There was oh. that much glitter everywhere. It was insane. Craft herpes, yes, craft yeah. herpes. Uh, I've sent I've sent a parcel over to uh, America to Nurse Page, and it was um, I packed it with like you know packing stuff, but I sent him a big a, one of those big family bags of tubes, like the big ones. Oh yeah, yeah. And they love it, and they don't they don't get them over there. And I said next time I send you something, I'm going to use tubes as the packing as the packing peanuts. I'm going to use just going to use tubes as the as the packing oh. material. That's amazing. Uh, that's so good. Go hit up Noel at uh, Twitter, Fury76, at Insta, Fury76, and on TikTok, Fury76. Anything you want to say before we wrap up the pod, Noel? Any, anything you want to champion? The only thing I just want to say is, firstly, thanks for having me on tonight. I really enjoyed this. That's been great fun. I've been very happy to do this again if you're ever short of a um Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And like we haven't even talked about, you know, we could have touched on retro toys and retro bloody TV shows. Shout on stuff everything. Well. That's exactly I know. It, yeah. Um but the only thing I would say is one thing I'm a very strong believer in is once as I said earlier, games gaming's for gaming is for everybody. Make sure you make gaming accessible and friendly and fun for everybody that you know. And yeah, don't forget to check in on your friends for gaming circles as well because you never know how they might be feeling. Big big advocate for mental health stuff like that as well. So yeah, but apart from that, thank you all, Jerd Billions. Thanks for tolerating me and my shenanigans. And I hope you enjoy all the stuff on Jerdville that Jobin has planned for you all. And yeah, thanks again, man. Really enjoy it. Well, well, thank you, thank you for thank you for coming in. This is the second one that we've done. It's going to be up on. Or if you're currently listening to this, you've, you're watching it on YouTube or you're <laughs> listening to it on Spotify or Apple. Definitely have Noel back so we can touch on all that stuff because it is a nostalgic gaming podcast. But that's not what I'm. I'm talking like the nostalgia does not need to stop at gaming because gaming brings up TV shows like Captain N, the Game Master. Like it's so we'll definitely have you back. I really appreciate you coming in and just sharing your collection, letting us into your, your house and in, into your heart and um, getting, getting to hear those amazing stories. 
Really, really appreciate it. We could have gone on so many tangents and right. look, it's it's midnight and, and, and we've been chatting for like two and a half hours or two hours. It's it's just um it's such a the gaming industry is such a thing where everything's like a everything's like a trigger. Like I had completely forgotten about that Sega controller until I saw that joystick and then it just set me off on another tangent. Like also, it's such a yeah, and 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 Saxon too. Like it's just, it just it's just triggers so many things, so many things in the memory bank that you've forgotten about. So I really appreciate having you on, and that's that's the reason I wanted to do the pod is because everyone's got a story, everyone's got a favorite game, everyone's you know got a fun story about growing up and playing games with your friends and whatever else. You can get me if you listen to the pod. You can get me on Twitch Monday to Saturday. I am Jerman. You can get me on Twitter, Jerman as well. On Insta, it's Jerman uh, underscore or dot Twitch because Jerman's taken. Don't go harass the other Jerman. Thank you, thank you, chat for listening. I uh, thank you to guys out there. If you are listening to this on the pod, I appreciate you. Smash the follow button, like and comment and all that stuff. Whatever you do, and that's it. That's episode two. Uh, and thank you. There we go. Jibber Jabber with Jordan Man, the Nostalgic Gaming Podcast, powered by Blue. Weekly pod coming at you on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple.